all gene-based vaccines, independent of manufacturers, produce the same result in the vaccinees. He has looked at 15. In the last four days, the number has been increased to 17 individuals who died after vaccination. These were people who died at home, at work, in the car, doing their sports, etc., etc., etc. There's no question now anymore about what is going on. And the answer is, in the organs of these people, in 90%, he found clear evidence for autoimmune self-attack by killer lymphocytes on the tissues. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Tuesday, January 7th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. As always, important stuff to talk about. It never stops being an important discussion to continue from one day to the next to, you know, nailing this stuff down. It just never ends, does it? I'm thinking that more and more these days. This is in it. This is from their end, an intentionally never-ending battle, but that becomes the job for us, doesn't it? To continue doing this day after day, to come back fighting the same battles over and over. It's just, it, that is that is what we're here for. I mean, because we will never get past this unless we are determined to stay the course. It's never easy. Nothing worth doing is ever really easy, is it? But today we're going to talk about, yet again, masks for the millionth time. But today, from a different angle, to find out that the, the topic we were discussing around microplastics many times in the past has a new angle to it today but i'm i'm on the i'm actually on a double i see it from two different perspectives one of which is going to discuss how these things are in another way increasing the illness for people increasing the the way by the basically being the vector themselves that can spread any kind of illness but increasing the risk of infection in general but on the other side of it i'm wondering if this is just another way to hide maybe a last resort, what in otherwise is being caused by the vaccine or injection side effects, because you'll see this kind of overlap in here today. But we will continue to go over this. We will also talk today about uh, really kind of a little bit in, in what's the right word for it, incongruent, <laughs> different. We're starting with the mass today because I wanted to get that out early, but we're going to then talk about specifically foreign policy, but Ukraine, because I told you I was going to go over some points that I wanted to express. But then we're going to come back again and talk about the Pfizer documentation and some more on COVID-19 injections and finishing off with some interesting steps into lockdowns, but from another angle, which we entirely expected, but not maybe the one you saw coming. So we'll get into that. But to start today, I wanted to go over a little bit of censorship, some new, new angles of censorship. Look at that. Added to the list of pretty much literally, I shouldn't say literally, but pretty much every place out there that you might expect we have been censored from. I'm, I, I it, there's a long time ago, people started calling me T-Lab in general, the most censored man or censored place. on the, I, I don't really even think that's true. Maybe not even still today. There's people out there that have been censored far longer, but I'm beginning to wonder if, if we've reached that level. Because there's a long time ago where I'm like, no, that can't be right. Now I'm just, I can't even, I mean, every single one of them that is censoring people has censored us. Every one of them. 
from random things like LinkedIn has censored us, removed us, even though we were paying for a professional flight, gone, no money, no refund. Or you let you name it in the chat, you name it. We've been censored. Apple Podcasts, GoDaddy. It's crazy. So here we are. Here's Stitcher, who didn't, by the way, none of these groups are even letting us know this is happening, by the way. I just happened to look over there. It was one of the one places that was still allowing our podcast. And that's just gone. Just no longer there. By the way, somebody I, I made this it, kind of facetiously, but it's it is true. Just jokingly saying that I'm I was banned on banned TV. That is real, by the way. Somebody responded to the tweet that I put out a while back. They said, that's not a ban. <laughs> okay, well, there's my account. You can see it says TLAV, and now it's not there anymore. You you call it whatever you want, smart guy. It's definitely what you want to it's what you want to pretend it's not. They removed me from that platform for whatever reason. There was no engagement there. People reached out, they didn't care. The bottom line is a lot of places are doing this, even the pretend free speech platforms. But Stitcher gone click here to redirect to the home page but if you go in there even the even the uh links that we have posted from before or the thing that i have embedded on my website that i still need to remove it just says we're unable to load this show isn't it interesting and here here it is just on the sidebar so I just add it to the list of any anywhere anywhere out there that does not like the truth this is the ongoing war against the truth and all the stuff that we're discussing as you will know if you actually watch this show with an object i mean just in general we are being objective. There may be contentious topics that people are afraid to talk about because they might be labeled a conspiracy theory, but it's pretty clear that these things are valid discussions, or at the very least, we have a right to talk about them. But on top of all of that, most of the stuff we discuss ties back to peer-reviewed science or otherwise you know, vetted information, which doesn't then make it true. Just because it's peer-reviewed does not necessarily mean we've certainly seen that part of it through COVID-19. But it still means that it's something that you should be able to discuss. The reason I make an emphasis on peer-reviewed is because that's what they say is the absolute last. That's what you should be listening to. And then when we point at it, they go, well, you're wrong. <laughs> Not that one. Here's an observational study we did in 30 seconds. That's the one you should look at. It's, just, it's all hypocritical. But more and more people are beginning to see this everywhere, from Ukraine to Russia to everything. They're just gross hypocrites. Like I was even just randomly had a thought just thinking about it was one I saw earlier today in the same way where they're essentially like in the context of COVID-19, a lot of the people that were yelling at the anti-vaxxers were under the impression they were saying, well, they're deliberately going out there and spitting in your face and coughing on you because they want to get you sick, which is was that even real? I mean, who even knows? I'm sure somebody out there got frustrated with these people and did it just to piss them off. But it was, was that really the general sentiment or rather the, you know, bigoted sort of mentality to say that if you are unvaccinated, therefore you are this way, which is just ridiculous. You could even call it racist if you want to get into a race discussion. But see, it's all hypocritical. My point is on the other side of that, I saw somebody pointing out today and it was it was in a really interesting conversation that I'm not going to get into because it's just relate, not related to the conversation today, but about how they're normalizing or rather using this, this HIV discussion to kind of push into a weird connection to trans and and drag queen reading time for children. It's very strange. But nonetheless, the point that I'm making is that the person made a big statement and said, you know, that I'm HIV positive and I've lived my life and I'm not doing that. The, the, the right is desperately trying to represent me as some maniac that's just out there trying to get everyone sick with HIV. That's so racist and so disrespectful. And I'm, I'm the first thought I had is, you know, is that even real? Is that what the right is all doing? Which is a dumb, ignorant way to frame that, because I guarantee you there's at least some that don't, probably most of them from either side. It's never that clear. But the point is that if you made the argument that the vaccine side of it, well, he would think if you're an anti-vaxxer, you're a racist, white supremacist, dangerous, grandma-killing person. And of course, I'm some assuming, I don't know. My point is to make a broad point here of the party paradigm and how it breaks your logic. 
that you know that's happening on both sides to some degree. The, the pointing, I mean, to say all Republicans are trying to get uh, spit in our faces to get us sick. And then the reverse, they're all they're trying to frame me as spitting in people to get them HIV. And it's never really that clear. The real point is that they can't see it in themselves and they point at the other side. And it's all hypocritical. It's all double standards everywhere. Back to the censorship point. Just in case you forgot, this is Patreon. That it's still there, weirdly enough. What you'd think by this time, they would stop wasting the resources, which are minimal, to maintain all these pages they have permanently suspended, which is a ignorant, hypocrite, double standard uh, oxymoron. But my point to show you this is simply that right now they still have all these people that they tell I'm supporting. And every single month, I don't know how that works. They probably just tell them that I didn't pay it or whatever. But the real point is how I found out that all the people that are still technically sub still, uh, where was the page for it? It doesn't show it right here. Anyway, I, I, oh, that's right. I don't have it publicly posted. All the people that still subscribe to this and actually have money that's supposed to be slotted to go out, many of them still pay that and don't get refunds. Note what it says here. Your page is suspended for violating. And by the way, what was it for? Oh, that's right. Discussing Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca and how they were hurting people and causing, guess what? Exactly what they've now admitted they do. <laughs> yep. And that's not a joke. Not hyperbole. Not a hot, not a, that's exactly what happened. But here we are still suspended. Both Whitney and myself, by the way. But it says, if your account is still suspended by the first month of the month, you will not receive payments from your Patreons, patrons. Okay, well, what about if they put the money in there or if you charge them, which, by the way, a lot of times happens. Anyway, the point is, just to make this very clear, here's a couple of people that reached out. After I sent out a broad statement to my to my people that I know subscribe in, in, in other places, hello, I received an email from you asking about Patreon. Yes, I'm being charged $3 a month. Look at that. This is all from like a couple of weeks ago. I just haven't showed you this because it's been I've been busy. Here's another one. Greetings, Patreon is still charging and will not allow access to change the membership status. Look at that. And I, there's, a, there's plenty more I could show you. I got a whole bunch of emails. So Patreon is still charging them. At, at base, I bet you their argument is, well, he hasn't closed the account. So we're going to, what we're going to do is we're waiting for you. Are we really going to pretend that's what's going on? First of all, they should suspend me or remove this account if I violated the rules. I'm not going to do anything, as you well know. The bottom line is they're still charging these people under the, gu the guise that they're spending money to help me. They are robbing these people. They're criminals. But guess what? Nothing new there. Oh, final point, just because I brought this up the other day. I just talked about this. Where did this even come from? Laura Ingram is losing her mind in this or whatever. I think this is probably Ingram because she's the one that's been harping on this. But this is about cannabis. This is a segment on Fox News. that says, I'm so angry. Ingram, okay, it is Ingram. Ingram guessed, marijuana took my son's life. I mean, what a stupid thing to say in this day and age. Do you realize that literally nobody has been shown to prove, proven to have died from cannabis alone, period. That's still the same thing we've been saying for 20 years because it's still true. The old joke, I think it was, uh, what was his name? Oh, man. Willie Nelson, I think, is one of the persons people credit this to, but saying that the only, the only time cannabis can kill you is if 100 pounds of it falls in your head, right? The, the joke here is that this is ridiculous. That I'm not going to say that, they, they, let's say this, how much you want to bet, let's put it this way, that this kid was also taking other things. Or maybe he was on a bunch of antipsychotics and antidepressants and everything else. And they don't factor that in because those are normal good stuff, right? The least dangerous thing that this kid has probably ever touched in his life is marijuana. And it's just amazing that we're, and people do not believe that still. People like Alex Bernson. And it blows my mind that we can be so willfully ignorant about something that has been so thoroughly shown to be ridiculous.
over and over and over. I made this point the other day. If we still can't understand and agree that this is not what they've been saying it is with all of the absurd things that have been shown that they have done, the lies, the manipulations, Reefer Madness, the movie, going all the way back to the beginning, blatant misrepresentation, blatant lies. If we can't realize that this is not the truth by now, do you ever think we're going to agree on vaccines? Do you ever think we're going to agree on math, regardless of how clear the evidence is? I mean, really think about how crazy that is. But my point is not that most people believe what she's saying here. Some of them, the lowest common denominator who doesn't can't think past their own shoelaces, they buy it probably, but they want you to think most people buy it. It's the illusion of the majority. That's what I want you to think about. My point, though, is that it's still being done in every possible way. And they're going to argue that vaccine, we all agree on vaccines and you're the crazy one, but that's not really what's happening. And then here's her comments. Products such as shatter and wax and dabs and vapes and oh my God, lions and tigers and bears. It's just so silly. What we're actually talking about is probably one of the least dangerous substances that I can point to. And also simultaneously happens to be one of the most versatile plants on the earth. I wonder why they're trying to stop it. <laughs> it also has a lot of medical benefits. I can go off forever, but you know, crazy and dangerous because gateway theory, right? Clownishly ridiculous. Now, let's start with one of the most important topics of the show today, I think anyway, the way that this has been shown over this whole process to be such a clear problematic point in this, whether the masks are increasing the inflammation in your body, which I'll show you again in a moment, or increasing your risk of illness, which I'll show you again in a moment, or all the other things we're seeing that they're converging to create, whether or not there's a COVID-19, a increase in your general illness and immune system problems and everything else. Now, that's not just to say that's what's happening. There's very clear evidence of whatever garbage they're putting in your body that is causing an even more worse problem in that same regard. It's almost like it was planned this way, but it says new research shows microplastics are capable of carrying diseases that make us sick. That's interesting. The whole point being here that, that microplastics, the first argument, of course, was that that's fake news, right? There's no microplastics in your mask, you crazy conspiracy theorists. We saw this every single time. Every single one of these topics that came along, they got such aggressive pushback because there wasn't even research being done. It was just like, well, that undermines my theory of the science. Well, the masks are good and good and safe. So I'm going to attack anything that even suggests that they might not be what I've told myself they are. The bottom line is microplastics were always a real topic around masks. It was talked about long before COVID-19, yet the Twitterverse still called them fake news when we talked about that you could be breathing in microplastics. So coming past all of that garbage, we're here now where we do know for verifiable fact that like we did before, that masks are a huge, not just a source, but a huge, if not one of the largest because of how they're used today, sources of microplastics in our environment. And that's catastrophically bad. But on top of all of that, while you're breathing through this thing that is not statistically significant in reducing transmission of anything we're talking about, you're inhaling and exhaling microplastics. That's a fact especially when you use them and wash them, which many people do, especially with the least useful of all of these things, the fabric cloth crap that doesn't work on your vast base at all, which has been admitted to even by the same people who are telling you that you should be, but they still don't listen. The point is that they are the worst of them because you wash them and they get even more open and even more useless, but also add more microplastics to the mix. Understand, even these cloth masks have microplastics and different versions of them, especially the ones that use polyethylene and poly, uh, what's the other term? Because they use blends, put it that way. Some of the, but not all of them. I'm not saying it's ubiquitous. But most of the things being used today have these in them. Scientists at UC Davis studied ma three main disease pathogens and found that they can hitch rides on microplastic pieces of plastic in the ocean. Not just the ocean, though. That's the point here. That's what we're talking about. Now, what we're, the larger point is, is in regard to how these things can spread and hurt you, your body, 
and the environment all in one trifecta, one simultaneous success, right? And none of this is being discussed. In fact, they're forcing this on the faces of children that are not at risk from anything else regard, in regard to why they said they should wear them to begin with, like COVID-19 or, I mean, even monkeypox in the discussion, if we're still talking about that, which I'll get to, it does seem they're ramping it up right now, is something that is very, very difficult to catch, especially where people were talking about the, the group, the, you know, healthy people let alone anybody for that matter, when it's a very difficult thing to transmit to begin with, especially human to human. But we'll get into that in a second. The point is, this is creating more illness. Now there's one more example of how this can transmit even more so. I'm not even talking about COVID-19. I'm just talking about, in general, increased risk of infection, illness, spreading of disease. That's what this is, or disease-carrying pathogens or causing. It says, we can't always see them, but microplastics are everywhere. They're the result of countless synthetic materials breaking down over time. And we've known this forever, by the way. Nobody cares. They're almost screaming about the environment. This is right now, at the very least, aggressively coming from the people that are using 14, 14 gloves a day with 13 masks. You know, I, I joke, but, you know, one, two, three, one, you know, a mask a day, multiple masks a day, gloves. Far more than we've ever used on a regular basis for the average person. We know that this was, and I showed you this during 2020. I showed you this during 2021. And I've done a small point on 2022 that they were screaming about this right in the beginning. Look at all of the masks. I mean, how about we just do this? I, I don't even know what's going to come up. Let's just see what comes up. Mask pollution. Oh, I misspelled it. Environmental poll of masks. This is back in 2021. MIT. Global face mask pollution jumped nearly 9,000%. 2021. How to stop discarded face masks from polluting the planet, 2021. Guess what? Nothing happened. In fact, it got way, way, way worse. Even, even despite the fact that they pulled back on the, pu the pushing, there's the people that still wear them every day, multiple times, all day long, in their house, in their car, and this is dramatic and dangerous for the environment. I mean, I'm sidestepping from microplastics for a minute, but this is part of this. My point is just simply to make it clear that the people that are screaming that we need to do the most for climate change, you know, they're the ones that are hooked into this. And that, by the way, that's not just left, but it's predominant in this part of the conversation. And this is aggressive. My point here is that they've been telling us, the people that they tell you to listen otherwise, that this is terrible. We can't keep doing this. And on top of that, the other point to make is how the point we make from the very beginning here. Why have we pretended biggest pandemic in our lifetimes, yet people are just discarding Ebola masks all over the street? I'm kind of facetious when I say Ebola. The point is that's how they frame it. Super, super deadly and dangerous. We're all going to die. But people are screwing, throwing masks out their window on the ground at the store and just right in the garbage can. Aren't these biohazards? Well, that's the point we're going to get into next is they scream about this throughout the science that's like from the beginning until now. The one thing we need to do is dispose of these properly. And we're not talking about just garbage cans. These are supposed to be biohazards like you would anywhere else. Like in any situation when they're dealing with an actual pandemic where they would talk about putting them in special containers. But not here. One of the many ways that we've been deceived by people when we weren't actually in a problem that they said we were the entire time. But here are those same groups going, we can't keep doing this, and yet they continue to. So scientists estimate that 2% to 12% of the dust in your homes right now is made up of microplastics. So think about that in the context of spreading things, disease, and so on. Plastic pollution has been a known problem for decades. Right, they don't care about it. They don't care about it now. They only care about it using it insofar as to scare you, to get you doing certain things. And I argue in this case, that's probably not even how this is being applied, unless as I get to the later point about the cardiac part of this, which is there. And I'll show you. 
So it's interesting that they're now going to like her pasta. It can cause heart problems. Like, okay, makes me a little suspicious, but I'll show you in a minute. One immediate concern is ingesting pieces of plastic that our bodies can't metabolize. That's also while you're breathing through them, by the way. But the particles themselves aren't the only issue. Scientists at UC Davis now have proof, not evidence, but proof that certain heart disease pathogens can attach themselves to microplastics and travel long distances on land and in water. So it's not just the ocean. In general. So if you're wearing a mask, you're breathing through that mask, and you wear it for, by the way, even just the first time you wear it, but the more you wear it, the worse it gets. They're saying, by the way, that you have the potential then to spread microplastics that can carry pathogens that can affect heart problems. It's like, well, that's very interesting. It's That seems like everything seems to be focusing on, that could just be a way to hide the things you're, the injections are doing to people. But on top of that, heart problems or not, recognize this is dangerous. If this is what they're telling you is true, which it seems that they probably wouldn't want to say this in the sense of realizing that that shows you masks are increasing your risk of illness. And for other people, I mean, take it back to the original argument. Keeps your grandma safe, right? Well, how about the fact that every time you breathe out, you're shooting microplastics at them that could potentially carry whatever you're breathing out, even though you say that mass stops all of that. How ridiculously broken is all of this? It goes on to say, uh, they, 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 yeah, in land and water, they do this by adhering to sticky biofilms that form on plastic surfaces. Macroplastics carrying these pathogens can travel long distances on ocean surfaces or sink to lower depths. This is why, where animals like, and this is the point about the specific ocean environment part of it, where animals like shellfish can ingest them and accumulate plastic and those pathogens in their bodies, which by the way, then translates to where we eat them and, and process them into our you know, talking about like the wet markets, think about this kind of argument, but both Shapiro and these these researchers said this connection between the plastics and that we produce and the potential for the spread of disease highlights how our lifestyle choices and long-term health are deeply connected. Yeah. Weird. That's like saying, and the sky is blue and you can breathe. It's like, yes, obviously our choices affect our lifestyle. Obviously. And the point, it's just ridiculous to pretend that we can just make microplastics and throw them away and do nothing about it and pretend like that's not hurting our long-term health. But it says, quote, and this is one example where everyone can make a difference because our dependence and everyday use of plastics is something we can choose to enact or not enact every single day. That's this is more about mass in my mind, not just general plastics. But the point they're making is the fact that we continue to use these things, even though we know this is a problem. But it gets more interesting as you go through all of this. And find all the ones we've already talked about. And this is specifically about face masks and the risk to you of those microplastics that they've been disputing. Fake news, not real. Okay, so just add to the fact that now on have a different angle, they're going, yes, yes, microplastics are very clear in these masks. They're very obvious, but on top of that, they can carry disease. So add that to this part of it. This is from the University of Wisconsin. Adequate studies have not been performed on the potential health hazards posed by elongated mask use. Just make sure you heard that part of it, because they still pretend that's not true, and we, it's always been true. In particular, well, I shouldn't say that. By the, let's be, put it this way. There's been studies, and a lot of them, about, yes, the obvious health hazards of wearing masks, but they just simply point out now that these are not like appropriate because of the time or the style of mass or what the, we're dealing with in the environment. That's what they mean by that. But however you want to look at it, my point would be there's plenty of evidence that they obviously have health problems. Either way, whether you think that they haven't done enough or it's obvious, it's still forced pe- wearing people, forcing people to wear them is still ridiculous, whether you know or know it's dangerous or aren't sure if it's dangerous. It's, it's the same point. 
It's more clear when you know for sure they're dangerous, which we do. Nonetheless, that point should still be taken that they're still forcing people to wear these, no, even if they don't know for sure. But it goes on to say, in particular, the inhalation of microplastic fibers from the mask material. That's what we're talking about. You're breathing in microplastics from the mask, which, by the way, then also means when you breathe out, you are blowing them out from the mask. Now it says, uh, and then those can float for a long time. And I think that makes another point in one of these other studies about how far. Our results showed that fiber particles from masks can be inhaled, which is super dangerous for your body. And masks marketed as a reusable cotton face mask, that's what I'm talking about, releases released fibers consisting of cotton and polyester or polyethylene, which is plastic. That's my point from before. So even these cloth cotton masks that people think you can wash and reuse, you're breathing in plastic. This is cause for concern as previous studies have shown that inhaled microplastics may be persistent in the lungs and cause numerous issues from prolonged inflammation to some studies linking the presence of microplastics in the lungs to cancer. My God, add that to everything else we're talking about. How about just the idea of the increased inflammation the, or, or the fact that it can create bacterial pneumonia by the breathing in through the mask in the same way. And even the inflammation of the lungs could then lead to that, which by the way, bacterial pneumonia is contagious and has the exact same symptoms of what they call COVID-19. It's, there's so many angles to this. How about just the fact that the prolonged inflammation could then be called something in and of itself? Well, let's go to the next one. And by the way, this was, uh, where was the date on this? 2022, or rather, no, that wasn't 2020. That's updated. In any case, this was from 2021, I believe. This is when I first talked about it. But here's the next one. This one's 2021 as well. Release of microplastics from discarded surgical masks. This is discussing specifically the, you know, these are ending up in the ocean and how much comes off of them. But so the first one was very clear about how that can come out of your breath and into the environment and you breathe them in. This one's more specific about the ocean. Same point though. It says on the basis of the results of our kinetic study and available relevant data, we estimated that uh, that uh, surgical masks discarded throughout the year 2020 would lead to greater than uh, 1,370 1, trillion microplastics entering the coastal marine environment globally with a release rate of 396 billion microplastics every single day. That's right now. That's been from 2020, from the moment this was mass used, all the way until now. Every single day, 396 billion microplastics, their estimate per day. That is catastrophic. Talk about one of the reasons, one of the, I mean, maybe that's the simple idea of creating the very problem they point to to then rationalize why we need to take different actions. I mean, this is going to destroy our, I mean, it is right now already destroying everything in so many ways that we can't even quantify. Like we will, this just like with the lockdowns, two years of this kind of stuff or one and a half, whatever you look at it as, you will never truly be able to quantify the damage that did to people's lives. Children, adults, as I've said before, it takes a matter of hours, you know, days really to to uh, to to truly in, to create a habit imagine being forced into something repetitive over the process of a year and a half what do you call that causing a significant decline in their in their uh, fecundity which basically means reproduction here's what it uh, let's see what it said in here again the ability to produce an abundance of offspring or new growth or rather the fertility essentially okay so what they're saying here is in the ocean these microplastics that are being released are causing, this peer-reviewed study found, a significant decline in the reproductivity, the fertility, rather, of the sea life. Well, look at that. Isn't that interesting? 
You could even you could even argue this translates into a food supply issue. The point here is that this is about the the fertility of the animals that are affected by the microplastics. Let's not pretend like that doesn't translate in some small way, maybe entirely, to you wearing it. These results clearly suggest that the microplastics released from improperly discarded surgical masks could have a long-term domino effect on coastal marine ecosystems. That was the middle of 2021. Guess what happened? Nothing. To minimize the risk of this emerging threat, better environmental management policy and law enforcement for ensuring the proper disposal of surgical masks are deemed to be necessary. Law enforcement, literally talking about enforcing by law the disposal of the proper disposal of these of these masks. But nothing happens. It just goes forward. Now, is that malfeasance? Are these people incompetent? Yes and yes. But on top of that, they know this is there. So it can't just be that. This is a choice to ignore this risk either for their own gain or because this is a part of the plan. That's my opinion. We're staring at peer-reviewed science, though, so go ahead and censor it, YouTube, because I know you hate the truth. But here's this from the World Health Organization. This one is from 2021. Used disposable face masks are significant sources of microplastics to the environment. Inappropriate disposal of wasted face masks has already caused the pollution of the environment. We're past that point, and they still don't care. It says the face mask could also accumulate airborne microplastics during use. Make sure you're hearing this. Our results indicated that used disposable masks without effective disposal could be a critical source of microplastics in the environment. The, the efficient allocation of mass resources and the proper disposal of wasted mass are not only beneficial to pandemic control, but also environmental safety. So the point is, the fact that they're not disposing them properly shows you they don't actually care about pandemic control, because that's a basic, basic requirement. Proper disposal of the dangerous thing they say is there, even though it's not dangerous for the reasons they say it is. It's dangerous because it simply is and the fact that you're wearing it all the time. But the point here is that that's every one of these peer-reviewed scientific studies are saying, we're not doing this right. Even in regard to the argument they're keeping you safe from bacteria, from pathogens. How do you make sense of that other than they're lying to you? All this is there. Are you telling that Fauci doesn't know about all this? It's ridiculous. Now, here's a couple other interesting ones. Here's from 2019. Optical microscopic study of surface morphology and filtering efficacy of face masks. So this is going back to 2019, guys, before the COVID-19 narrative started. Guess what this says? On top of the one that I'll show you next, that I've shown you a million times. First of all, it says right here, cloth masks or CM, usually double layered. And these are also ones that have the polyethylene and, and the, the plastic pieces in them for the most part. Not all of them. I don't think all of them, but most of them do. Here's what it says. The findings of this study suggest that cloth masks are not effective. Interesting. So it wasn't just that Gottlieb said it and when said it on new, on TV without any science to back it up. And they just ran with that and move forward to N95s. This has always been documented in 2019 as well as 2015. The cloth masks are not effective, that they increase your risk of infection. Two different studies peer-reviewed find the same thing, that they're not effective, and yet they not only tell you that you should wear masks all the time, but specifically focus only on cloth masks for the first entire year of this illusion. Don't forget that. That's important. I need to go back and actually get those, those recordings and show you the CDC website that says cloth masks. That's the only thing the site said, telling you the only thing you should wear is a cloth mask. They don't know, don't get any fives. Whether their argument is because they wanted them for themselves or whatever the thing is, they told you to wear the thing. They knew 
not only was not working in regard to what they said it was doing, but it increased your risk. It made you sick. The findings of the study suggest that cloth masks are not effective and that effectiveness deteriorates if used after washing and drying cycles and if used under stretched conditions. So the, the lack of effectiveness in general is there. But whatever you argue they may still have in regard to drop, stopping droplets and blood flying out of your mouth and phlegm, even that deteriorates after washing and drying. And then you're breathing in microplastics the entire time. We believe that the findings of this study will be helpful for increasing public awareness among populations of developing countries where such masks are very common. Like one of the places you see these worn periodically. And for policymakers to make and implement basic guidelines for face masks for public use. And guess what? None of that happened. Isn't it amazing how, like, we'll have these these exercises, like like the monkeypox exercise or Event 201, and, and every single time they come to the conclusion that we're not prepared and we're going to kill a bunch of people. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Didn't you have, like, three other exercises the last two years? Didn't you come to the same conclusions? Didn't you do things about that? Or is the, are these just simply seeding the idea that we're in danger so you can then point at danger? Like, either again, I can't, these are either some of the most incompetent, ignorant, willfully stupid people out there, or they are choosing to ignore these things. Probably both, as I always love to say, but the bottom line is they saw this stuff. They knew it was there and they did it anyway. Just like literally every other part of this, guys, I can't keep, it's so obvious to me. So here's the one I've always showed you. This is a peer-reviewed study. The only random controlled trial, by the way, of cloth mask back in 2015, British Medical Journal. The only person I've seen reference this was Tucker, and he misquoted the date and said 2019. I don't know why. Maybe he misread it. He also kind of soft-rolled the real points that are in here, my opinion. But here, the, the, as I've said from the moment this started in 2020, this has been here. The results of this random-controlled trial caution against the use of cloth masks, just like the one in 2019. Moisture retention, reuse of cloth masks, and pore filtration may result in increased risk of infection, which is exactly what happened. And then you could just jump forward to when Gottlieb and Wen said it on the news and they said, okay, yeah, you're right. They've never been working. Why didn't it stop right there? Oh, just use N95s then. But wait a minute. You've been yelling us down this whole time, censoring people, and now you're admitting they don't work? Like, I can't even believe that happened and they're still standing. That shows you guys that the majority does not believe what they're saying. They just jump. They just push on. They go forward. Point to the next narrative and say, you're all dumb if you don't agree. The point is, most of us don't agree. We just don't realize that we're the majority. And finally, guys, the one that I just showed you that we need to take into consideration with all of this, especially if you haven't seen this, February 18, 2022, the Fogan effect, a mechanism by which face masks contribute to the COVID-19 case fatality rate. Please read this because there's so many important points in here. The main point is that counties with, and this is all the entire state of Kansas, counties with mask mandates had significantly higher fatality rates with, than counties without mask mandates. There's two main points that I think are important down here that are they're really important points in regard to, if I can find them real quick, the one says that even using better masks, which is their next argument, we'll use N95s then. Well, guess what? They found that even better masks with a higher drop of filtering capacity should cause an even stronger effect, meaning it increases your risk even more because the numbers of virons that are potentially re-inhaled increases in the same way that outward shedding is reduced. The point is the masks are not doing what they say they're doing. They're literally, by the virtue of what they are, creating more risk. It says another salient point is the COVID-19 related long-term effects and even things like multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, MISC, may all be direct causes of the Fogan effect. Virus entry into the abiola and blood without being restricted to the upper respiratory tract and bronchi and can cause damage by initiating an autoimmune reaction in most organs. 
They're blaming MISC and children on COVID-19. Now, I'm not saying I know for sure. Like, even they said, they, this is just, it, it's, their assessment is that like, a likely cause. But just realize that it's not as clear and sound as they want you to think it is. Even MISC on the CDC website right now says they don't know what causes it, even though they continue to claim it's COVID-19. Because they just say that, even though they don't know for sure. It's disgusting. So all of this being said, guys, it's just never been more clear that this is dangerous for you. Now, for those that want to check out other work I've done on mass, if maybe you're new to the channel and don't know that I've been harping away on this since 2020, since this first began, every single article for the most part, just search mass in the search bar on the website. But underneath pretty much every article I do these days, you'll still find the four main ones. They used to have a lot posted, but these are the four important T-Lab mass coverage. Great mass deception, do mass cause bacterial pneumonia, mass science, clear doubting science behind wearing masks, watch this video, and masks are making you sick. It seems that's simply part of the plan. Clearly, we were right. But check them out for yourselves. Now, before we go back into other COVID-19 discussion, I wanted to make a couple of foreign policy points. And I, want, I actually wanted to go through this reasonably quick. So. China secretly building naval facility in Cambodia, Western officials say, which is probably, I mean, it seems to be absolutely what's happening. They take issue with the secret part of it or that it's a naval facility. But the point here that I'm trying to make is the, is the weird perception that we have of anything, even the, especially the things that are not just done by the U S government, but done far, far, far more than almost anybody else in the world that they then point at somebody else and go, Oh no, and even if it is something that should be concerning, which this, to, quite frankly, I don't think is based on the reality of what the world is today. This is just commonplace. But it's interesting the way they frame this, that it's bad just because China's doing it. It's bad just because, well, we don't want them to be powerful. Well, is that because they're doing dangerous, bad things? Now, just to be clear, I think all governments are. But the point is that is in this sense, is that because they're doing terrible things or just because you don't want them to challenge your power? And then we stand back and go, is the, are the U.S. government doing good things? That's very debatable. You know I, you know my perspective. So it really comes down to why this is being pushed into your face. Usually it's a partisan thing, but here's what it says. The establishment of a Chinese naval base in Cambodia, only its second such overseas outpost, and its first in the strategically significant Indo-Pacific region. You know, like their backyard, right? And we're talking about like, so Indonesia... Oh, I had to have a better map up there. In any case, they're talking about the fact this whole area right here, like to pretend that that is. I'll, I'll put a pin in. I'll come back to it with what I'm saying next. This is the first in a strategically significant Indo-Pacific region. Is part of Beijing's strategy to build a network of military facilities around the world in support of its aspirations to become a true global power which they already are, by the way, so is Russia. These are obvious global power. It's just the way they want to frame it because they want you to think that they're this, it's, it's interesting. It's just propaganda. It's, it's, I don't, this, think about all the stuff that's going on in the world and this is what the Washington Post is writing about. They built a base over there. Is that, is that even news? It's a secret base though. Oh no. Now I'm not trying to downplay the fact that, that governments are building bases around the world for military purposes. That's alarming in and of itself. But Cambodia is in agreement with this. They're on board. It's they're 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 in the they asked about it. there's discussions being had. So it's not like China is regime changing the country, putting people in place in power that will then allow them to build and rape their resources. Oh, you mean like the U.S. does literally everywhere? Yep, exactly like that. That's not what's happening here. It doesn't mean it's not just as alarming. But have some perspective here. China's only other foreign military base right now 
is a naval facility in the East African country of Djibouti. Let me say that again. China's only other foreign military base in the world is a naval facility in East African country of Djibouti. Now, I don't even know. If, I, doesn't even, I don't even know if that's, how can that even be true? Just to be completely frank, I'm like, that. I, I would have assumed they've got bases somewhere, but this is the Washington Post. Well, not, the, not again that that means it's true, but they, from the mainstream perspective, you're supposed to take it seriously because it's democracy dies in darkness, right? They're honest, and except when they're covering anything foreign policy related, they lie all or anything for that matter. I'm being facetious, but the point is China's only other foreign base, they say, is in this area. So if they're, so they're building their second base, <laughs> Well, you want to see what the U.S. looks like before we go forward? Well, just a quick little, what, does the map have chicken pox? No, no, no. That's U.S. bases all around the world. For those on the podcast, and even just talking about naval bases, guys, they're everywhere. Even especially in this area that they're talking about, right? There are naval bases all over the map. Over here, which are also in the same area, like right here, down here, down there. They're all over the world. So that's, I mean, it just so you can, oh, they're fighting for freedom though, right? If that's what you want to tell yourself, the point is, why is one bad and one good or one dangerous and one fighting for freedom when neither of them are doing that? I just don't I don't believe that Americans even believe this anymore. I mean, we've been fighting against the war machine for so long. Most Americans are well aware that this has nothing to do with freedom. Quote, we assess that the Indo-Pacific is an important piece for China's leaders. I mean, that's as stupid as saying that the Pacific Ocean or I mean, if anything on the coastal line of the U.S. is is uh, important for them. And we have it's why would we allow them? To have, it's their it's the same reason that they pretend that China or anybody else, for that matter, is not even allowed to go near South America. It's like they have just the rights over everything around the world. And the fact that they are saying that it's bad for them to push out and even in their own territory just seems very strange to me. It says they view China's rise there as part of a global trend toward a multipolar world where major powers more forcefully assert their interests in their perceived sphere of the influence. Yeah, exactly. That's like U.S. stated policy. A global trend toward, except the multipolar part, of course. Which, by the way, it's interesting that their argument, which is a general topic today, is, is a bad thing. Saying, well, we can't allow anybody else to have complete control over what's happening. You have a, a unipolar world, one power, and that's it. Of course, because that's what they want. They want to you know, frame U.S., but what that transitions to is world government and one power. That's not what anybody should want. That's the opposite of what anybody should want. I'm not saying we should strive for China having more power. That's not, see, that's a ridiculous way to try and misinterpret what I just said. What I'm saying is that having multiple powerful entities that run their own, their own things, U.S. manages the U.S. government and ra rather the U.S. society and rather the people of the country should do that, not every other country around the world. It just seems like a very obviously hubristic stance to take saying we can control this. Oh, but meanwhile, we're not trying to force our way of life on everyone in the world. We're not trying to be the policeman of the world, except that's literally what we're doing as we say that. Beijing, the official said, is banking on the region being unwilling or unable to challenge China's core interests. Except that's not at all what's happening, seeing as how Cambodia is going along with it because they want to, or sort of like the deals that happen in Africa, where you, I'm not going to pretend that China's not using their power to kind of strong arm things in. But if they sign and agree to an agreement, it's not the same as what U.S. does when they go, well, freedom. So we're going to step in and destroy everything and take things because you're a bad guy. Because, well, if we don't, China's going to come in and make a legal deal with these people. We can't allow that. Unwilling or unable to challenge China's core interest, and through a combination of coercion, punishment, and in inducements in the diplomatic, economic, and military realms, believes it can get countries to bend to its interests. Are we talking about the U.S. government here? Essentially, China wants to become a power so powerful that the region will give in to China's leadership rather than face the consequences for not doing so. Now, yes, 100% China wants that. 
But that is literally outlining what the U.S. government does as a matter of policy. Do you think that Iran wants to do what they're trying to force them to do? Do you think that Syria or Afghanistan or Iraq or Libya or any other place wants all the things they're forcing on them? It's just so, will it's why we can't see. We have no sense of ourselves in this country. Now, again, I say that when I'm addressing the media and what I think are people that buy this. See, I even fall into it myself. I know you guys see this all the time. I have to check myself too and say, wait a minute. I don't think most people fall for this. But what they're project- projecting is my point. Over the weekend, however, a Chinese official in Beijing confirmed to the Washington Post that a portion of the base will be used by the Chinese military. It's funny how they bury that. It's like secret thing. And they, well, they just admitted to you that they're using it. The official denied it was for exclusive use by the military, saying that scientists would also use the facility. So the story is not a secret base. The story is, yeah, we're building it and we're using it. What's the story here? I don't, I don't get what they're, they're making a story out of nothing, out of another, the second base in the world, apparently, by China, while they're base, building bases all around them because they want that to be bad. We can't let them grow. We can't let them be strong. I think that was it. Just take a take a quick beat and recognize who the real conquestor, or what's the right word for it, who the real, there's plenty of good words in regard to that. People, you know, the real conquerors are, are out there. The people that are still marching around with this, this old school colonialist mentality of just taking things over under a guise of fighting for freedom. I've said this so many times, it makes me sick. I don't care whether you believe they're doing what they say they're doing or not. How can you not look back at the history of what they've claimed to tr- be trying to accomplish and the repeated failures? They are batting zero for spreading freedom and democracy. I mean, I don't care where you look. They tried to liberate Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria. So they say, right, the narrative is we're going to liberate them. Destroyed Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Libya, Bolivia, Venezuela, Iran, everywhere they're trying to spread freedom, they're destroying things. Now, I don't care if you believe they mean what they're saying. Wouldn't you step in and go, hey, guys, maybe take a break because you just don't know what you're doing? But nope, doesn't matter. Because China, bad guy, Russia, Ukraine, we can't allow that. Now, in Ukraine, for that matter, there's a lot more, by the way, that we could have pointed out today. I just kind of left left this from what I had slotted on the side. That this is happening constantly. I mean, this is it's so much right now because even myself, I've kind of shifted a little bit back to COVID more so. Because I feel like we've very clearly destroyed what's going on, the narrative of what's going on in Ukraine. It doesn't matter that they keep screaming. This, the fact that they keep yelling masks are effective or the injections are safe and effective. I don't think anybody feels that. Even the ones that believe they did the right thing are still kind of like, well, come on. You guys are still being a little bit easy going with the facts. But nonetheless, we need to recognize, as Eva Bartlett is still continuing to do great work on, that the people in the Donbass region specifically are being just constantly attacked. The the Ukrainian military, specifically, are just every which way possible committing war crimes. And all they can do is point to things they claim Russia did with no evidence to back it up. Not to suggest that they're not capable or have done those same things. But evidence is what's needed. Even video like this. Or multitude of just endless streams of documented people telling you exactly what they saw. Here's one pointing out the center of Donetsk is bombed again. I remind you that these bombings are carried out with the M777 missiles provided by the U.S. And he says, I stress, once again, there is no fighting in Donetsk, no front lines. I mean, there's no way to misunderstand this, guys. The only people bombing in Donbass are the Ukrainian military, and it's not hard to see. 
If you want to pretend this is Russia or do with a false flag, it's not like they're just running, shooting a missile and running. This is constant bombardment. and They're bombing these areas and everyone can see it. The only people that don't want to talk about it are the people that you would they claim are the ones doing the right thing. The, United, the international entities, the U.S. government, the Western governments. They're just the Western media. Absolute silence as they bomb the this is this is the same as Israel bombing the center of Damascus. There's no misunderstanding of what's happening right there. They're bombing a hugely densely civilian populated area. That is nothing but a war crime. But nobody cares as long as it's the right side doing it, right? I mean, for hell, they're trying out loud. They've been starving Yemen for a decade plus. Nobody cares about that. Now, I should stop saying nobody, by the way. You guys know what I mean when I say that. Or maybe many of you don't. A lot of people care. I know you care. The point is they don't care. And it makes me sick that they pretend that they care for other people while they don't care for any of them. But here is just another video. This is from March 14th. I mean, still, I mean, I should just let's do this since we, that's from a while ago. But again, dozens killed by Ukrainian cluster bomb. Cluster bombs. Blatantly illegal. And all they could do is claim that Russia used cluster bombs. There was no evidence for it. But guess what? There's been endless evidence. I mean, documented, real-world, on-the-ground evidence of cluster bombs used by Ukraine. Nobody cares in the Western media. On and on and on. All documented. Patrick Lancaster, artillery battles rage in southern Ukraine, Russian army hand-to-hand combat masterclass. It's just a lot of these are um, update videos on where he's currently at. But the point is that you can go through this list and see cluster bomb kills three and curse in Ukraine. It just makes me sick, man. This is everywhere. Now, you shouldn't just take those face value just because, you know, I, I believe Patrick's doing great work, but you should question it like always. I do myself. But nonetheless, it's obvious this is happening. I've done my due diligence. Now, I mentioned this the other day. Eva Bartlett, a journalist, is on the kill list in Ukraine. It's a fact. And we know what's already been happening. We've seen multiple journalists killed already. Here's another example of one that I already talked about. Ukraine journalist has been declared a terrorist simply because her reporting undermines the narrative. She's been shelling Donbass for the last eight years. Well, she's been covering this for a long time. The point is they just call her a terrorist and threaten her life. This is not new. Even the U.S. government was calling this out about the Ukraine government before February 25th. Look at that. Weird how it just vanished when they don't want you to look at it anymore. She says, instead of doing a report on the fact that Ukraine has me on a kill list for her journalism, Canadian state-funded CBC seems to be gearing up to do a smear on her participation in a tribunal on Ukraine's war crimes. Things that we can prove, by the way. She says, I'm 99% sure CBC Joe know of the kill list because, and she goes over to point out, where was the one? The so-called international competence, evidence of mass war crimes, the arms, uh, where, I was just looking at this the other day. In any case, you could check out her, her documentation on this and the reality being that the, she is doing absolutely stellar work. And she is a very brave and courageous journalist out there putting her life on the line. Not just because she's in a war zone, but because the very people that are fighting for freedom are trying to cake her life. Isn't that funny? Isn't that disgusting how that works? Now here is another Bartlett tweet. U.S. citizen Stephen James Humbard, liberated by the Russian army. Listen to what I'll read first and I'll play the video. He says, I presume the Russians were bombing in Izium. I couldn't imagine the Ukrainian army bombing their own people. I learned later the Ukrainian army had done it. For propaganda reasons. You can't, this just does not end. These are people that you can verify. As, I, as I'll get into in a second, another ex- example of a UK citizen coming back and saying, we're just cannon fodder. 
oh, weird, exactly like this guy said. Remember that? We'll get into that in a second. But it's amazing how much of this there is, and all they go is fake news, and there's not a counterbalance, right? They show, they point to a girl that works at USAID, and we can show you 50 or really endless. I can't even count how many videos we've seen of people coming out of these areas that were recently controlled by Ukraine going, we were raped, we were murdered, we were robbed, we were beaten up, we were stolen from. It's crazy. And by the way, it starts out very low. It picks up a little bit, but this is as high as I may, I can make it right now. So try to listen up. Ethan James Hubbard. I was born in Big Rapids, Michigan, American. And uh, I first came to resume in 2014. I didn't know who was bombing whom. Uh, oh, the, the websites. Well, they said uh, for a long time, they said that there were... They said, well, they didn't really have much information, you know, because it was so recently. Uh, I didn't, I presumed that the Russians were bombing Izum, bombing Izum. I just presumed that because I, I couldn't imagine the Ukrainian army bombing their own people. I learned later it was uh, the Russian, I mean, excuse me, the Ukrainian army had done it for propaganda reasons. Because to put fear, to put fear in the population, the Zoom people, to make them afraid of the Russians, make them more determined to resist the Russian soldiers. What's your attitude to Ukrainian army now and to Russian army? Boy. Uh, well, uh, I think the Russian army is, uh, they treated me personally well. And uh, I think uh, I... Uh, I can understand why President Putin invaded because he had to defend the Russian homeland because NATO is, they lied. They, when the, when the uh, Soviet Union fell, they made an agreement that NATO would not move any farther east, you know, bring weapons. But uh, they've been doing that for the past, what, 20 years, whatever. They've been doing that slowly, slowly coming closer. Exactly. So, and... Uh, and I understand the Russian point of view that they cannot allow this to keep, you know, come so close to the Russian border. Uh, as far as the Ukrainian army, um, uh, it's, of course, controlled not by really President Zelensky. It's controlled by uh, foreign countries. And uh, I, I, of course, I know young Ukrainian men, I, I a friend in Izum, and they don't want to fight. Now, of course. Take that with a grain of salt. You don't know this person. You don't know whether he was coerced. You don't know. I mean, it just the point is exactly, again, what we will objectively tell you always, and you'll never hear from the corporate media. They'll point at the USAID worker and say, proof, it's over. We won. That's the proof. It's over. That's the whole story. Be, be objective about it, right? You don't know for sure. But you add that to the larger discussion and all the different data points we've had and all the different people that have said the same thing from different angles and different outlets and different parts of the world and over and over and over. Yes, and all that could possibly be fake. And you, that, people don't like that you ha that today's world, you have to think like that. But that, bit, that being the case, you have this huge mountain of stuff versus easily debunkable stuff. It's, even, it's a no-brainer to me. And on top of that, it's been pretty clearly proven that this has been happening in places like Bucha or Kramstock or the different points that we've already exposed over and over. Now, I wanted to include this just because I, this is an article Derek, or excuse me, Robert put up today. Just I was just talking about the idea of journalists being killed, first of all. But on top of that, just the idea of, of 
how this gets overlooked when it's the 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 good guy side, how they would want to frame it. I mean, this should really bother people. That it, right now, Robert just wrote this: Israel Israel's occupation forces killed five Palestinians in the matter of two days. By the way, this is last week. As tensions boil, and that's including this woman who is a U.S. citizen. She has a U.S. passport. Not that that should matter anymore. She's another human being that got killed by the Israeli regime. Whether it's a Palestinian or a U.S. citizen, it shouldn't matter anymore to anybody else. But the point is that your government, Biden, doesn't care. He didn't say a word. Where's the outrage? Right? You get a U.S. citizen they claim was killed in Iraq, and they lose their minds, and everybody freaks out. It turns out they weren't even really what they said they were. Right? They aren't rising up about this, which means they don't really care. Whether you die or somebody else dies, it's all about whether they can use. She's a U.S. citizen. And the Biden administration doesn't care that Israel's government just shot her down in the middle of the street because they claimed she was going to do something with nothing to prove. There was no court case. There was no investigation. They just shot her down, put it to bed. On top of the other people that got shot, too. There was five people. And, guys, this is in the West Bank. This is not what like a Gaza situation in the past. They're, and they've, they've changed their laws so that they can arbitrarily shoot people down if they believe. This is the Bethlehem Doctrine in the streets. Oh, we think you'd look violent? You might have a knife, shoot her down, just in case. I'm not even making this up. This is what's happening. If you're following Robert's work on T-Lab or anywhere else, he's been documenting this the entire time. So as he says at the end, this is a great point, by the way. How can we believe that nations will ever care to act for Palestinian human rights when they won't even bother to utter a word of criticism against Israel for the murder of a journalist who held a U.S. passport? We're talking about Western nations here. Are we really going to pretend they care about the rights of the people there when they won't even worry or say a word about somebody who is a U.S. citizen? My God. Now, talking about Ukraine and what these people really are, right? Going back to the point about how admitting Eva Bartlett's on a kill list, that these people are telling you that they're not what they say they are, that they're bombing the middle of the area, right? Remember this tweet. Or this one, actually. Well, this says, guess what? Here, let me translate. Oh, that's weird. I hate how they don't give you the translate sometimes. And the National Guard helped a little... This is the, the National Guard. That's the Azov Battalion, or Azov Movement. Help deliver charitable assistance to volunteers. Oh, you're so kind. That's what they're doing now, right? Because now we... We basically called them out really early on, and that was that I said, oh, what about this charity? Do they only qualify if they're of a certain shade? Asking for a friend. And don't know how they keep it. You have to view it, which some people told me they can't even get to work. Of course. Why would you allow them to see that they're not good people that are dipping their bullets in pig fat because they want to send Muslims to hell? Right? They're really good quality people that want to help the young and help the, right? They're not, guys. This is an illusion. And it's so obvious if you're caring to pay attention. Azov fighters of the National Guard greased their bullets with lard against the Kadrak orcs, which they call Muslims. And of course, that's why they hide it. Why? Well, because they tell you this is not, this tweet is violating the rules for hateful conflict, excuse me, conduct, almost cursed right there, an accident. But they're going to leave it there for, for you know, public interest. It's, it's just who knows what's going on today. And here's the link to the article that talks about it. Greased bullets to fight against Chechens with pig fat. So these are, this is what they really are. These are what these people really are. Not just this one group, but the entire movement, because they've admitted that. And I can show you a hundred thousand more examples of just that, which you guys have all seen. But help me out if people don't see it. Share the links in the chat. Talk about it more, because we're going to go over to some more stuff out of Ukraine. Here's another point that I want to make clear today. 
that this has been a story that's been utterly shown to be, I mean, this has been debunked the moment they tried to argue that Russia was stopping the wheat from leaving the area. Russia's causing the, the food shortage. Russia's causing the, the gas hike. Russia's causing this. It's Putin and Omicron, right? Putin and Omicron cause everything under the sun. Your toe hurts? Probably Putin or Omicron, right? That's the kind of dumbness we're at right now. But the point is that they're now coming back around. And yet again, as of today, or rather possibly yesterday, it was posted today in the UN, arguing that they're the ones causing the entire food shortage and everything in the world, everything, top to bottom, is just because Russia and Ukraine. That's what they're saying. Which, by the way, is patently stupid. I mean, that's obviously not true. You could argue they're dramatically increasing the food supply issue, but there's not way in the world that all of this, which, by the way, was already happening before this started, is caused only by them and simultaneously while they're admitting that their great reset actions will cause the same thing. We'll get there later in the show. But Ukraine, not Russia, unwittingly blocked the free passage of ships with sea mines. We've proven this, by the way. I should have actually grabbed that, by the way. Doom's the one that shared that. Let's see if it pops up. Yeah, look at that. But I'm glad here we'll get to that next. May 17th, a Ukrainian mine washed ashore. Ukraine mined its own ports to keep Russia out, resulting in the prevention of ship movement and hence the flow of goods, i.e. food. Pentagon, Pentagon admits this. And the port, you're talking about Odessa. I think you're talking about Odessa. And uh, obviously Odessa is a major port for Ukraine. It's their access to the sea and the outside world. And it becomes... Uh, a, a significant vehicle by which uh, grain, for example, is exported and, and other commodities come out of Ukraine. And Ukraine is uh, the largest or one of the largest uh, grain producers in the world. Uh, and thus far, because of mine. Okay. So it's very clear, and there's plenty of documentation for it. And this is why it's so embarrassing how they must know this. This is the post-truth world they discussed before we got here. This is obvious. They knew I mean, I was even just talking to my brother about this, about a politician. I forget which one. I think it might have been Beto O'Rourke standing up in front of his people who support him and going, we're never, we will always protect the Second Amendment. Yay! And everyone cheered. And then you can look at him. I think this on Fox that did this. And there's obviously why, because they are just as hypocritical and just as, you know, Tucker or anybody else. You can do a lifetime montage of how many times they've contradicted themselves from day to day. But that point, nonetheless, we're talking about Beto O'Rourke. And the point is, he then went to another meeting, another crowd, people support him, and said, we're going to get all those AKs and we're going to literally contradict what he just said. And people, yay, we support you. And so the point is, when they come around and go, wait a minute, you just said you don't support that. Well, I didn't say that. That was misunder- misinformation. And you can literally put them next to each other, post it on Twitter, and they'll still call you fake news. You're, it's, we are broken right now. Not we are, I should, again. The perception of the majority, the people that are buying this are broken. We need to stand up if we see through it. Scream it from the rooftops, guys. So the point is, they said this. They admitted it was Ukraine that did it. Here is even India today. Well, here's what breaks sea mines Russia's biggest challenge. As it says. Oh, I didn't highlight it. I forgot. Uh, Let's see. Where was it again? According to the department, specific, uh, let's see. Right here. Since we started demining operations, but there's no... Oh, no, that was the demining part. Oh, let's see. Shoot. Right here. The biggest challenge Russian forces are facing the Sea of Azov, which is laden with sea mines. As part of a military strategy and to avoid Russian naval invasion, the entire seawater was mined. They admit this in plenty of other examples, by the way. Now, it will take a long time to even make the port functional because waters from the sea to Azov, the Black Sea, which banks the critical, uh, banks the critical city of Odessa, have been mined. The Ukrainian government did this. You just heard the U.S. government admit it. 
You see the media reporting it. Now, once we jump to today, suddenly the whole narrative changes, right? Here's what they're actually saying. This And this, this was posted as of today. I believe this was probably yesterday, if I'm going to be accurate about it. But either case, it's recent and they're discussing the shortages. Now, remember what you just heard. The U.S. government themselves admitting that Ukraine placed those mines, right? So how can you even make sense of this? I may leave the room. Maybe it's easier not to listen to the truth, the ambassador. Russia is solely responsible for this food crisis. Russia alone, despite the Kremlin's campaign of lies and disinformation. How can you honestly stand there and pretend that the entire thing of by 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 the way, which had started before this? Same with the gas price issue. These were rising long before we got here. Now, yes, we've seen it go exponentially higher, largely because of actions they are also taking around all this and blaming it on Putin. But yes, what he did in Ukraine is adding to that. But to sit there and pretend that only Putin, nothing but Russia, is the only thing in the world causing this, it's just dumb that a child could see through because of a thousand different factors. But they don't care. He sits there and he yells them down and says, you're fake news and people clap and it's, it's, it's broken. It's embarrassing is what it is. I've seen it with my own eyes a few weeks ago in Odessa. And please do not take this as support or shilling for the Russian government. It's not, I mean, it's ridiculous to argue. It's just truth and facts and lies. That's all it is. Russia is just as problematic for me as any other government in the world. I'll still point out when they're lied about, just like I'll point out when they lie about anybody else. It's pretty clear. Millions of tons of grain and wheat stuck in containers and ships because of Russian warships in the Black Sea and because of Russia's attack on transport infrastructure. And it is Russian tanks, Russian bombs and mines that are preventing Ukraine from planting and harvesting. Right. How is that? How does that make sense? How can you literally listen to Millie tell you that this is the pro- this is what happened? Ukraine mined its own ports. And yet he sits there in front of the entire world community and says they're Russian mines. And they're not going to care. No one's going to challenge it. It's now, it's now going to be fake news to argue the opposite because they've set the tone. It should bother you. This is, and, and this is what's so frustrating about people in my position that we are being attacked for simply being objective and showing you the reality. I don't even know if the people that are censoring us are even aware that they're censoring the truth. It's just gotten so broken. People are so politically invested. The Kremlin is also targeting grain storages and stealing grain in Ukraine while shifting the blame on others. Now, you, is, is it true that Russia's stealing grain? I don't know. He's not producing evidence. I haven't seen any evidence that's happening. If they, would they? Probably. I don't, I, I, would, I wouldn't, I even barely, I wouldn't even blink. To, I mean, the fact that any government would try to reap resources from a place that they see as an adversary, I mean, that's obvious. I haven't even, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all, let's put it that way. But there's no evidence for it, so it's amazing we can keep floating evidence-free claims and they can keep dismissing evidence-laden claims. It's frustrating. But how about Syria? What about Syria, where the U.S. government is literally openly taking what they want? Oil, grain, burning wheat fields, they can't. It's happening. Did they call it out then? Were they stomping in the ground? No, 
nothing happened then. They didn't barely even talk about it. This is cowardly. This is propaganda, pure and simple propaganda. Let's get to the facts. <laughs> the EU has no sanctions on the agricultural sector in Russia. Zero. And even our sanctions on the Russian transport sector do not go beyond our EU borders. Yeah, but the U.S. does, and you damn well know that. And that's ridiculous to pretend like those aren't valid because those are the predominant part of what's going on. But, you know, it's easy to play ignorance and, and not, you know, to, to play on the ignorance of people listening. You may leave the room. Maybe it's easier not to listen to the truth, the ambassador. Hmm. Just disgusting. It really is. But there's plenty of other examples of how they're lying about the reality of the situation. You know, they can get caught, like blatantly caught from making, like from whole cloth making up the ghost of Kiev and a thousand other narratives. Or the propaganda lady, what's her name now? I'm forgetting the, the chief human rights, whatever her name was, was also fired because she got caught and they addressed her being caught for completely making up the entire Russian soldiers are raping detainees blatant from whole cloth made it up and again i made this point the other day they're still arguing that point you can find all sorts of corporate media that still say that even though she was fired for making it up and they said there's zero evidence for any of her claims as i just saw i think it was shoot who was that i was watching somebody who made the argument that it may just simply be that they fired her because it was just too obvious like you you're just being you're just blatantly you, you know you're we want you to be propagandizing and lying but you can't be that clumsy with it in any case they just keep getting caught lying, and it just doesn't seem to affect the, the, the propaganda machine. Here's May 30th, 2022 from Channel 4. The reality is you will be used as cannon fodder, says a UK teen who went to Ukraine war. He was 18 years old. Within weeks, he crossed over the border after this happened as a volunteer. Didn't know he was joining neo-Nazis and get, not get it, giving the equipment to actually be able to survive. Tonight, he tells the program about his experiences. The foreign office says they didn't know exactly how many Ukraine nationals have gone to Ukraine or how many lives they've lost. How is that even possible? But an investigation for this program has heard, I, I would argue, by the way, that they do have that information. They don't want you to know it. Has heard accounts of chaos in Ukraine's foreign legion with claims of poor organization and lack of training and kit, you know, equipment they would need, and unverified claims of more than 20 British volunteers that have been killed. In any case, the real takeaway is used as cannon fodder. And I don't want you to forget Henry Hoff, this is his real name. I believe that was his real name, is one of the people that came back and told you that. Now remember that he came back and they wrote, well, first when he went, they wrote this article going, oh, he has to Ukraine to fight for safety. And they make this big argument, oh, he's a good person. He's fighting for his family and all these arguments to talk about how, you know, he's fighting for freedom. And then guess what? The, oh no, we found out that he's actually a Republican. So he, he did something with the Boogaloo boys. So we're going to alter the entire article to make him look like a bad guy. That's what they did. They cut out all the, the humanizing parts about how he had a family. Why would you do that? Because they don't see people on the all other political side as good people. It's not possible. But the far right group known as the disgusting. You, these are bad people that are changing the narrative. That's not journalism. You know, it shouldn't just you shouldn't suddenly alter the perception of the article because of a person's political standing. But that's what they did. Now, nonetheless, the point is they came out every which way within like it was like two days later. All these people, apparently in a war zone, we're able to just jump out and make all these detailed videos about how this guy said what he said, and he's lying, and he made it all up. Well, clearly he did not, because it's coming out everywhere. So the question we should ask is who these people are and why they lied. 
But here's what he said, if you remember. What is going on? All right, all right. We were part of the Georgian National Legion, the 102nd Ukrainian Territorial Defense. Georgian National Legion is an open, publicized neo-Nazi group on the surface. But they don't. That's why they don't, don't talk about that. They don't talk about the Svoboda political party. They don't talk about Georgia Legion. They don't talk about the right sector. They only talk about, oh, this old Azov thing is not existing anymore. Yeah, it is. And it's everywhere. And it's completely overtaken the government, as anybody honest can see and report it as they say themselves. But yeah, listen to what Fox News and, and CNN says, because that's the truth, right? Okay. Our base got fucked up. The base right next to us got fucked up. Americans, British, tons of British dead. Right? They're not saying nothing. They're counting our dead as their dead. They're trying to send us to Kiev with no fucking weapons, no kit, no fucking plates. The people who are lucky enough to get weapons are only getting magazines with like 10 fucking rounds. Okay. And by the way, I forgot he cussed so much. I apologize for that. Now, he, this is exactly what this guy was saying on Channel 4, right? And the end, like, remember what he says, it's a trap. In the back, the fuck oh, and then saying that they would shoot him in the back if he tried to leave. Uh, you remember this from the past. He said, it's a trap. Don't go. Okay. Now, here's the gross follow-up the Daily Mail put out. Talk, talk about shilling for a political side. So instead of art, actually digesting what he had to say and comparing that with other people's statements, they just did a hit piece on this kid. Here's what it says. Video. Ukraine's. So here actually what they do is simply quote what the Ukraine fighters and the, the, so the Ukraine military said about this kid. So this guy, this guy. I mean, it's just, it's amazing that they will take the word of, of a, of a neo-Nazi, well, it doesn't even matter, they are neo-Nazis, and it does matter, but that they will take the word of a foreign fighting group on the other side of the world against what he's saying in front of them with evidence that backs it up, along with other people that say the same. Here's what they do, they take the word of those fighters, Ukrainian foreign fighters ridicule American boogaloo boy, of course, that's the most important part, right, who ran away when he realized he'd actually have to fight Russians in Kiev. With the kit he was given and complained, he'd be lured into a trap. Is that what happened? Or did he break down how he didn't have equipment, didn't have ammunition, was not given support, was not given what they needed, and was pushed out into areas where people were being slaughtered? Now, by the way, if you listen to what he discussed, he was fighting, and he did fight. This was a point where he left because he realized it was not worth it. But of course, Daily Mail doesn't care about the facts. It just blows me away that this is this is journalism. This is a hit piece on a rant on a kid who you were seconds ago calling a hero for going over to Ukraine. My God. Now, a couple of the points on Ukraine in general, Fox News reporting, and this is important to understand that Putin's now saying, as we briefly mentioned the other day, Russia will hit harder if U.S. supplies long-range missiles to Ukraine, which they're doing. Biden has already approved that, trying to quibble about how they're not the kind of long-range you think they are, you're giving them more advanced weapon systems, and that's not okay. Every single thing that continues to happen is more red lines being crossed, and they don't care about that. They never have. They want this to continue. The point is, this is going to be how that happens. He's giving you the red line, which would be a red line for anybody in this situation to say, you're literally giving these neo-Nazi extremists on our border who are ethnically cleansing people in Donbass right now with your missiles, longer range missiles that could potentially reach Russia. And then when things start blowing up inside of Russia and they pretend it's not them, they're going to say when Russia does something about it that Russia is the one that instigated it, just like they do in Palestine. It's a broken and obvious process, but they'll do it anyway. So wait for this to happen, I guess, unless we do something about it. And finally, 
as they're dumping billions and billions and billions of dollars into the lap of neo-Nazi governments in Ukraine, he again stands up, Zelensky, and says, we need constant U.S. aid, not one-time weapons deliveries. We don't need your piddly $30 billion. We need it every single week. This is what they're saying. Can you even believe that? I mean, how much more money they need laundered? I don't even understand. Constant aid, not a one-time weapons delivery. Why is he dictating the process here? If you weren't able to get this done without constant moment-to-moment funding and weapons and support from somebody else, you were never even in a place to even be a part of this. So that what it shows you is they're not the ones conducting this. It's been very clearly shown that this is an, you should have known this from the beginning. This is an open, transparent proxy war being waged by the U.S. government. Yeah, they need constant aid every second because they never even had the ability from the very beginning to fight this or to wage a, a, a legitimate war. Do you really believe that they would step into this kind of war with a big superpower when they needed constant aid from somebody else to do it? It's just embarrassing. This is one of the most clumsy and embarrassing agendas, maybe next to COVID-19, that I've ever seen. And just so we're aware, by the way, this is maybe outdated. Oh, it's outdated by a little less than a week. Where military aid to Ukraine comes from. And I promise you this is inaccurate. It's probably wildly downplayed. But just take a look at the breakdown. Maybe ask yourself why in U.S. the gas prices are so high, why you're struggling as much as you are at a time. Look at what that is. This is It only shows $25 billion, by the way. That doesn't even include the other 20, 30 more billion that are going over there or the potential other costs and the long range missiles and everything else. Countries committing the most military aid to Ukraine. The United States for the podcast, 25 billion. The next closest in every country is the United Kingdom for 2.5 billion. This is a U.S. war. There's no way to miss that. You are paying for this and you don't even believe in it. Now, Weird how, when you look for this, the only group that's actually covering that they said this is the Times of India. I mean, I'm looking I'm directly searching for this. Ukraine says it needs constant aid. Weird how the Washington Post, CNN, none of them, none of them are covering that they said that. Isn't that strange? Not at all. They're only covering the things that achieve their agenda. They even came out and basically said that they wouldn't report truth, you know, the reality if it helped Russia. They're not, these guys have long since no longer been journalists. They're simply propaganda outlets. And remember, they're winning. They're just about to win. And Putin's on the retreat. And they're all going to lose. And he's, it's a, you know, he's about, he's going to sacrifice all the people for a hollow victory, right? They're running out of bullets, right? I mean, I could go, I could keep going. There are a thousand things they've said that have been so blatantly untrue. But they're about to win is the point. Over and over, we're just about to win. Russia's on their retreat. Look, he pulled away from Kiev, even though he was never going for Kiev. The point is, now Biden's saying, weirdly, right after Kissinger told them to do this, might have to give Russia land a negotiated settlement. Don't forget, Kissinger at Davos on the stage went against everybody and said, we should come to an agreement and give Russia part of this territory. Go back to the, the um, not the, was it the status quo, Ante? Status quo? I forget if that's the word he used, status quo, ante, the, the situation before. But with the Donbass region. So they leave with Crimea that they were in control of, but Donbass region essentially. Here's what's interesting, by the way. It doesn't seem that Russia's even trying to take control of the Donbass region. They acknowledge their independence. And maybe they eventually will do that. But it's interesting that they're almost trying to give them this to make it. Like, how much you want to bet if that happens? Even though it's not theirs to give. They'll point back in five years and say, they took it. 
They just took it and just took the Donbass region because they're dangerous and white supremacists, whatever they're going to say. Same reason they, they took Crimea. No, they didn't. It was very clearly, they, they had a referendum, they voted on it, they overwhelmingly voted to go to Russia, but they just loved to lie about things like this. Lie about the Golan Heights, lie about their invasions of other countries, and lie about everything. The point is that they're already now saying, and it, with a clear indication that the Ukrainian government have always been losing this, they're now going to find some kind of a settlement. Zelensky, when Kissinger said this, basically called him a Nazi sympathizer. But here we are. It's still happening. So Zelensky seems to be potentially another Guaido is what it seems like, right? He's going to be thrown under that bus as soon as they don't need him anymore. Now, one last point on this before we finish off with COVID-19 is the interesting push for this popping up. Because we know that the Capitol riot, right, the January 6th conspiracy. Wait, I thought conspiracy was fake news. Oh, only when they call it a conspiracy. It's not fake. I got it. Okay that we know the January 6th trial is coming up, which is going to be a clown show. Because, I mean, look, if they're arguing people died and they're not charging anybody with murder and it's all low-level conspiracy charges, I mean, they're going to call it seditious conspiracy because they want to make this about overthrowing the government. The bottom line is these are, considering what happened and what they tried to claim happened, the way they're framing this as a little literal over attempt to do, I mean, it's, it's a low-level charge, in my opinion. Because they don't have anything. These people did. The bottom line is Proud Boys charged with seditious conspiracy and Capitol riot. They charged the Proud Boys. Now, what has been the focal point of everything around the Capitol January 6th discussion? What's been the whole point? MAGA, Republicans, white supremacists. We all know that. The entire time it's been this white supremacist push to overtake the government and over, that they, they cannot take that out of their mouth. Vanilla ISIS and all the, everything came around January 6th. So isn't it funny that the primary focal point of this charge is a person that is not a white person? That's him right there. And his name is Henry Enrique Torrio. Now, what what I think is hilarious is that they don't use the term white supremacy or even the reference to racism or, or bigotry or any of that stuff, even once in this article. Isn't that funny? How in every other possible frame, they always talk about the rising threat and the domestic terrorism and all this stuff, but they don't talk about it in this one, maybe because it doesn't work for the narrative. This guy is basically, I mean, he's not a white person. How does that make sense? How are these people white supremacist, MAGA, vanilla ISIS if they're not white? I mean, of course, that's how they clumsily talk about vanilla ISIS. It doesn't make sense, but he's not vanilla at all. How does it make sense? Because their narrative is so broken and crumbling that nothing adds up anymore. It wasn't a riot. It wasn't an insurrection. It wasn't any of this stuff. It was obvious that they were creating and allowing this to drive forward, in my opinion, in hopes that these people would take the bait so they could be framed as the exact. And don't forget, they were Ukrainians that were there screaming things in Russian. This is a provable point that we've discussed many times. There's a thousand examples. How about the fact that the people that they're trying to frame in this regard are people that have direct ties right back to the Azov movement in Ukraine that was armed and fronted and armed created by the CIA? Their own documentation makes that clear. This is meant to create, in my opinion, the beginning stages of what they're going to try to frame as the domestic presence of some kind of white supremacist rising entity they're going to try to tie back to Russia. That's been my opinion this whole time. However, whether or not you think that's the case, this is ridiculous. The former top leader of the far-right Proud Boys, far-right, which otherwise means what? Racist, right? He's a white supremacist. How does that make any sense? Oh, he's a a self-hating white supremacist. Okay, got it. But... It's a, well, that doesn't even make sense, but the point is, you know, self-hating minority, whatever. But it goes on to say, 
the far right Proud Boys extremist group, which is not what they are, and other members were charged for seditious conspiracy for what federal prosecutors say was a coordinated attack on the U.S. Capitol. Right, coordinated attack. Even though in multiple stages, there's all in video of people letting them in, of them, of people laughing and communicating and sitting down and having conversations with the police that were present. Oh yeah, no, I'll get out of your way, man. I'm sorry, I know. But we, this is all on the record. And the only person that actually got shot was by one of their people and this Ashley Babbitt person. But yes, but it was a coordinated attack. It was completely wildly uncoordinated, it seems. The latest indictment against Henry Enrique Torrio, the former Proud Boys chairman, and four others linked to the group comes as U.S. House Committee investigating January 6th riot prepares to begin public hearings this week. How much you want to bet that they won't show you what's going on in those hearings? Right? You know, we'll get every dying second of what happens between Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Now, we don't get a single glimpse of what happens with, with, with uh, um, Max, Ghislaine Maxwell. Nothing. How much you want to bet this is the same way? Because they don't want you to see what's going to come out. They don't want you to see. I, mean, I don't know for sure. Probably, maybe they want you to see it. But I'm, if it doesn't, it's, my opinion is because there's stuff in there that is flimsy. They don't have the standing to make this argument. They're going to try. The indictment Monday alleges that the Proud Boys conspired to forcibly oppose the lawful transfer of presidential power. Now, that may be true. Who knows what their intentions were, but neither do they, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. That's a great, but this is the point that we people failed fail to make. Nobody was armed. Nobody. How in the world can you overthrow an armed location with nothing but your bodies? That's the, you can't challenge that. That's why they're so desperate to get away from this. And that's why, in my opinion, they wanted them to show up with those. They wanted them to stand there and they were, they knew what they were trying to do, in my opinion. But either way, as the person in the chat says, the first insurrection without a gun. They're scheduled to stand trial in August in Washington, D.C.'s federal court. The seditious conspiracy charges are among the most serious filed so far, but pretty milk toast when in regard to talking about an insurrection, which, you know, can come with the charge of death, treason. But no, no, we're just conspiracy. They conspired to what exactly? Right. If, if they conspired to to I mean, it's just, this is such a flimsy argument. And then the main point for me is ultimately how I think it's pretty hilarious that they will go out of their way to disregard the word conspiracy as if it means fake. Everywhere. And my point is, well, there's conspiracy all the time. It's a legal term. People get charged with conspiracy like this right here. So why then when we talk about people conspiring, is it like, oh, here we go. Well, fake news. How does that even make sense? Well, exactly like I'm always talking about. Nothing means everything, everything means nothing. It only means it when they say it. When we point at it, well, that's stupid. Well, why exactly? People conspire. You're making that case right now. Doesn't matter. Because you're not allowed to make these arguments. You're just a dumb pleb peon that has to do what you're told. So go back to sleep and go get your, you know, it's, that's, that's what they want. But here's the point of where I see this going. My brother sent me this today. This is issued today. Homeland Security Bulletin. Guess what, guys? We're in a high-level state of threat based on their ambiguous argument that bad people are collecting to do bad things. Now, sure, if you trusted them and believe that they're doing the right things, but they can't tell you for national security, well, then maybe there's a threat that we don't know about. History shows you that probably nothing's happening. And if it is, they don't care about your safety. That's just the simple reality of where we are. Now, you can call me a pessimist, and it has nothing to do with hating the country because the government is not the country. 
It is quintessentially American to point out when your government is broken, to point out when they are the ones stealing from you, when they are the ones violating your rights. That's literally the reason this country was founded. But now we're going, oh, you can't criticize the government. That's fake. You're, that means you're anti-American. That's what the left and the right would say. Neither of which are actually believing in what we should believe in this country, the foundational points. Even, by the way, even the ones on the right that would scream about the Constitution in many ways are being tricked into arguing in certain ways those things shouldn't apply. The bottom line is, guys, that these things are, un, are, are inalienable. There's no debate. We're at a point now where they are casting down these kind of threats to keep you at a state of, of fear, really, but which gives them some kind like this is in my like think about like the national state of emergency. These kind of things come with certain legal actions. What it says, the United States remains in a heightened state threat environment, heightened threat environment, as noted in the previous bulletin. So this is just a continuity of the, we're always in a threat. Like we're, this is the never ending war on you, on everything else and everywhere. And several recent attacks have highlighted the dynamic and complex nature of the threat environment. Oh, which ones? Let's not be opaque about it. Obviously, we're talking about the shootings. Highlighted and dynamic. Oh, which, the, which ones? The ones where the police intentionally stood back so they wouldn't stop it? Or how about the ones where the people, the guy was directly tied back to the Azov movement? Yeah, nothing to see here. But it says, in the coming months, we expect the threat environment to become more dynamic. Why exactly? What do you expect? What intelligence do you have? No, nothing. We don't get to note that. Just You don't get to know that. You're too stupid. But just trust us. As several high-profile events could be exploited to justify acts of violence against a range of possible targets. That's the most opaque and broad thing I've ever heard. So people could do things that could lead to danger. So we're going to be pushing you at risk. These targets could include public gatherings, faith-based institutions, schools, racial, religious minorities, government facilities, blah, blah, everything. U.S. infrastructure, the media, the perceived... So anything. People could do things that could hurt you anywhere right now, everywhere. I mean, I'm not, I'm being, I'm not even being joking about this. That's just list off everything. These targets could include anywhere, everywhere. Threat actors have recently mobilized to violence due to factors such as personal grievances, reactions to current events, adherence to violent extremist ideologies, including racially or ethnically motivated or anti-government or anti-authority, violent extremism. So they could be motivated by being upset, reaction to things that are happening in the world, adherence to violent ideology, ethnically, racially, or not wanting the government, being against authority. I mean, they're just, this is just so broad. And basically what it comes down to is people challenging the narrative. Because you understand, now, the, what they're listing there, you could take at face value, or you could realize that they're arguing people like me are taking action that's racist, or that are taking action that is adherence to violent ideologies. Like, argument being that what we're doing with the vaccine discussion is violent. Like, I know this is a stretch for some people, but they've already made this connection. Or how about just anti-government? which I am anti-government. I've made that very clear because I have a right to be. That is my right. But nonetheless, that right now makes me a terrorist. That's how broken these things are. Or how about the fact that they'll make, they'll point out in everything that has discussions around the militias and whatever else, that people that are, the people that strongly believe in the constitution are dangerous. I'm not making this up. This has been listed for years now. People that believe too strongly in the constitution are potentially risk factors. The Constitution, the foundational document of this country? Yes, exactly. So my point is to these tra- these terms, they're broadly applied to whoever they want to be applied to. Foreign advisories, including terrorist organizations and nation-state advisor, ad- adversaries, excuse me, adversaries, foreign adversaries, including terrorist organizations, nation-states, 
I don't know why you would you see this is my point about foreign adversaries includes those things. It's just like saying foreign adversaries, including these foreign adversaries, also remain intent on exploiting the threat environment to promote or inspire violence, so discord or undermine U.S. democratic institutions, which don't exist. We continue to assess that the primary threat of mass casualty violence in the United States stems from lone offenders, the shootings, mass shootings, and gun and small groups motivated by a range of ideological beliefs and or personal grievances. That is you, ladies and gentlemen. Small groups motivated by a range of ideological beliefs, which again just means anything, everything. Personal grievances? Is there anybody anywhere that doesn't have some personal grievance with the way the government's handled COVID or Ukraine or something? So bottom line is, guys, you're a threat. You as the American people are a threat to the United States government. So we're going to maintain a state of terrorism threat because you're dangerous. The war is on your body. It always has been, whether it's your body or your rights or anything else. And this is going to expire on November 30th. So it starts today and it goes all the way to November, November 30th and it'll loop right back around. All these come with additional abilities now for them to do certain things. But it says here, the continued proliferation of false or misleading narratives regarding current events. That's everything. That's vaccines. That's Ukraine. That's anything you want to point at. Right now, if you are doing what I'm doing, you could be called a terrorist. We are, not, we are in that place right now. And that's crazy. And as always, I will continue to do this and stand up for you and all of us because we have a right to do this. And as no, what we're doing is not dangerous. It's not terrorism. Whether or not we're even incorrect, which is, which I mean, clearly the corporate media is like, does that all the time, usually by on purpose. But you have a right to be. You have a right to be incorrect. Even if you mean to, by the way, which I don't argue you should. I think that's bad. But you have a right to do those things. There's a lot of people out there, like the media and the government, that willfully tell you wrong things. The point is that when did you not, when did you stop being allowed to make a mistake? The real point is not about any of that. They're framing it as trying to stop those things, whether or not you make a mistake, but really it's about stopping you from covering the things that challenge what they say is the truth. And it's just everywhere. Now, finishing off with well, there's, it's more, we have quite a bit to go, but you know, generally the last part of the show now is going to be focused on COVID-19. But I wanted to start with this article from BBC, which I think is really upsetting, but highlights a very important point about the, sh the shifting of authority around your body, around your family's body, around your children and their bodily autonomy. Like the idea that you no longer have the decision is really disconcerting. I mean, this, is, this has been happening for a while before COVID. But it's gotten so aggressive in regard to the injections and whether your child has a right. And, and they don't care. We've seen this everywhere. Marching children out of their schools when they're five, six years old, right up to a little kiosk and getting injections, whether or not their parents know. And they've, they've said, we're allowed to do this because danger, whatever. It's horrific. Not everywhere in the world, but a lot of places I've already shown you. This is about a child who is brain dead. And I'll get into what, you know the weird circumstances of how that came about. But that's not the main focus, at least not to start. Tests show part of Archie Batterby's brain is dead. Courts told. Now, this is Archie Batterby, Battersby, 12 years old, was randomly found unconscious at his home in South End, Essex, on 7th of April. Now, I'll get into that in more in a second. They don't know what happened. They are all about guessing in any direction they can away from 
which I would argue is the fact that this kid was injected. But it says specialists at the Royal London Hospital in East London said his life support treatment should end. This is what bothers me. This is the real first point. Why does this hospital have any right to decide whether or not this child or anybody for that matter is removed from life support if the family wants to do it and is willing to burden, take the costs, right? If you're paying for it, which they are, why is it not your choice to decide whether or not this child is put to death, whether they're brain dead or not? Archie's parents, Holly Dance and and Paul Battersby disagree with these experts. With his his mother saying that he's still in there. God, it makes me sad. The prognosis was very grave, says the doctors. The doctors are saying that there's been no improvement since the scans were taken in mid-April. But there has been signs of deterioration, deterioration. Quote, I think Archie has sustained severe enough brain damage that a point of return is unlikely, which doesn't mean it's not possible. History has shown in many, many cases like this that modern medicine does not fully understand the real dynamics of how, like, for instance, the baby and the mother and the skin-to-skin contact, a baby that was declared dead, and I think it was something like almost 15, like it was an incredible amount of time later. And I'm not even making this up, like 10 minutes or a really long period of time after the baby was literally declared dead, that it was being held to the mother's chest. They said, we have to take the baby. Right. Like at some point you have to even understand that it's like, well, it's technically, you know, like I know you're upset, but we have to take the baby because it's died. But she refused, refused. I mean, to the point where the husband had to stop them. And guess what? The baby came back to life after a really long period of time. It's a miracle, they said. And it is, it seems like. But it's because one of the reasons why it's so important to have breastfeeding and skin to skin contact immediately, which is a lot of the things they're trying to take away. The point is, this kid, they don't know for sure he's not going to come back. And it's not your choice to make if this mother believes that he'll come back. Because there's plenty of stuff that happens that has nothing to do with what we think we understand about science, about medicine. Plenty of things happen just like that. Now, I don't care if you want to talk about resources and pandemics and whatever else. It's not your, once you give that be, the bed and the resources to them and they're paying for it, it's not your choice anymore to remove that from them. But that's what COVID has changed. They're trying to anyway. Bannister Bruno Quinta Lavelle, that's a crazy name, representing the family, told the judge, so they're in a court of law arguing for his life, that Archie's heart was still beating. He's alive, whether being kept that way by machines or not. He also, he, he, he also, he's all, is, that, that again, I was, it's funny, how, you know, a typo in corporate media when they've got a whole team of people. I'm just one guy over here and I barely make mistakes like that. I think it's funny. He also there, he also there was an issue as to whether the correct procedure had been followed. Now, this I find very relevant. And whether the family's views had been taken into account. So there's a huge question there about whether or not this is an effort to quickly get this story over because potentially there's malfeasance here. Potentially that the hospital took or they did the wrong procedure or didn't listen to what the, the family wanted, which then led to potentially, anyway, however you look at it, they're having an issue with that. They, they pointed that out. So you have to argue or ask, rather, whether or not that's playing a factor in their rush to put this kid away. Of course, how dare you suggest something? Put this emotional please away. We know that hospitals are like this. We know that they will make re- decisions based on resources, and they argue it's for the best interest of everybody, blah, blah, blah. We know this happens. And you could even agree with it. You cannot argue that they wouldn't make a choice like this knowing that they could potentially have legal consequences. People make choices like this. 
You can't just be like, they're doctors, so they wouldn't do it. Of course they would. Not all of them. Maybe not Maybe not the majority. I don't know, but some of them have and would. People make gross decisions. Not everybody's a good person because they wear a lab coat. Mrs. Justice Arbuthnot has heard that Archie suffered brain damage in an incident at home in early April. This is the, this is the, the court. Here's all they say about that. And from my looking into it from other articles and stuff, it seems like they don't really know. His mother, Mrs. Dance, believes, so this is them guessing, he may have been taking part in an online challenge at the time. Her son never regained consciousness. Okay, so before, well, just, I guess the last sentence. The final hearing for the case in the family division of the high court is due on end on Wednesday. So it's tomorrow. So if this court rules that he should be removed from life support, they're going to do that. Why they have that authority is so beyond me, I can't even understand it. It's their son, their life, their choice, they're paying for it. What's the point here? Is it is this about establishing a precedent that the government is the one that has the final say about your life, your standing, your health, everything? Because you know what? You're their property, which is what they're making clear. But back to the point here. Why, okay, why is the assumption that he may have been taking, okay, for an online challenge? Okay, is there online challenges that include doing something that could lead to brain damage? I mean, what a what a leap. What a guess. How about the fact that there's plenty of other things going on that could do that, whether taking injections or spike shedding or everything else that lead to things just like this? I just think it's interesting that we're willing to guess in any possible direction. Like, who knows? He might have been taking on, you know part of an online challenge that might have led to something like this, or maybe a hundred other things could have happened. It just, it just blows me away. In any case, my belief is that this kid was injected, so were the parents, and the point is that this is not being acknowledged. But regardless of that, why is their choice? We have the rights over our bodily autonomy, and our parents and our family members, if we are subdued or if we're unconscious, then have that choice, not the government. End of story. Now, in regard to the actual issues coming along from these injections, including the Pfizer documents that continue to reveal the overwhelming cover-up that's going on right now, I wanted to, one, give you the documents to continue to look at. Because, you know, as I've said before, I'm not trying to say this as if, like, these are unimportant. But nonetheless, guys, we have covered basically everything these documents are showing. All these bigger discussions, the reproductivity, the babies dying from pregnant mothers, I mean, you know it. We have been drilling in these topics over and over. So I, I plan on, I mean, it depends on what, maybe I'll, maybe one of the writers will get into covering the breakdown of what these documents show or something. But at the end of the day, I will go over these to some degree, but it's, you guys have seen all of this from our work. And it's not just T-Lab. There's plenty of other independent creators out there that have been doing the same work. We have been going across these over and over and over. Nonetheless, I'm going to play this for you because this is, jeez, um, uh, I can't believe I'm blanking our name right now. I'm a big fan of her. We're uh, Wolf, Naomi Wolf, Naomi Wolf, discussing this on, I'm unfamiliar with the guy's show, but just breaking down some of the highlights of what she's seen in this, because she's one of the people that are really covering this in depth. Here is the actual page you can go to, to get all the documents, all the court documents, all the Pfizer documents, not just the, it's a, all the older ones, as well as the ones that were all released on June 1st. And but the point is, guys, that there's a reason they were so desperate not to let this get released. And now as they get released, you will hear nothing from the corporate media when these things prove what we were saying are valid. Points such as they knew these things were waning and not working. 
right in the beginning. And yet, Biden stood up and said, you won't die, you won't go to the hospital, you'll be perfectly protected. Either he was, I guarantee he didn't have any idea what they what was really going on. He just was saying what he was told, my opinion. But Pfizer knew. The government knew. Fauci knew. They knew these things did not last at the very, more than a couple of weeks at most. That's even relative risk reduction, barely above 50%. By three months, it gets to 75 negative efficacy, hurting you. They knew this right in the beginning, and the documents show that. But no, the corporate media is going to cover it. So the fringe minority they call the majority is not going to see it. That's why we need to stand up, make this obvious. So let's listen to what she had to say, because the breakdown of what she's finding in this of the last dump is unbelievable. But just knock it off the list of all the things we've already talked about. Now, Dr. Naomi Wolf, co-founder and CEO of DailyClout.io and author of the. Oh, by the way, I want to make sure that even just by that, that the graphic right there. That, I mean, Naomi Wolf has been doing this al- alongside the war room with Bannon, and I have no, absolutely no faith in their ability to not be partisan about what they cover in regard to the war room and, and Bannon and all this. It's it's stuff like this. You know, this idea that it's all communism and China bad guy. And, and look, I have no love for any of these governments, and they're all equally alarming and dangerous and all vying for the same control. It's not just Russia or just China and U.S. good guy fighting for freedom, which is how they frame this. It's dumb. If you can't see by now that your government is easily, if not the same level, as alarming in regard to how they're trying to take away your rights and force in dangerous injections and great reset and everything else, then you're just not paying attention. Just to make that clear. So I'm not suggesting that as any real influence over Naomi Wolf's work, but you know, you have to take that with with consideration that it's happening on a very, very willfully dishonest partisan level outlet. That's my opinion. Now, I only say willfully dishonest in regard to partisan level talking points. The same thing I say about people like Tucker, where they will choose to omit things that make their side look bad or go against the general narrative they're trying to push. And I've watched it. I've shown you guys this stuff. But that doesn't mean, like in this case, that you can't find things that are important. That's why you should listen to all of them. Come to your own conclusions. Be objective. Show discernment. Listen to what she has to say. The book, you might want to pick up the bodies of others. Doctor. Oh, I'm sorry. One last point. I'm going to make this clear. I'm not suggesting that this outlet is that is part of the war room or anything like that. I just saw the graphic and thought it was very similar. I'm actually not familiar with the first. Let me make sure that's clear. It's more about what Naomi's about to say. What's in these documents that I, I mean, I've been looking through the New York Times and the Washington Post. I've got them all in front of me here. I can't find anything about these 55,000 Pfizer documents. That seems like it would be important. What's in there? Exactly. Not a Yeah, I mean, you're media. literally describing the biggest headline that major media is completely ignoring um, with the greatest, biggest story, I think, of, of our era. And they're just completely tuning it out. So basically what happened was that a court ordered um, Pfizer and the FDA to release these 55,000 documents that the FDA had requested the court to maintain under wraps for 75 years after we were all long gone. And uh, the documents being released, of course, journalists like you and me would have a hard time going through them, understanding them, vast trove, very technical, but something really extraordinary happened Um, Steve Bannon's The War Room sent out a call for volunteers and Daily Clout, my news site, sent out a call for volunteers and uh, 3,000 highly credentialed experts responded. Um, So we have this team of doctors, nurses, biostatisticians, medical fraud investigators, uh, lab clinicians, the biological scientists, 
who are reading through the Pfizer documents and issuing easy to understand reports. And you can find them all on dailycloud.io. That, that's her, her own thing, which I was just checking out earlier, by the way. And it, it's good. They're just keeping up on these documents and give, it's, it's good stuff. And the headlines of what they found are really shocking. I mean, the, the summary is that Pfizer has been committing a massive experiment on the human race. I don't, I don't think it's too much to say that with, with murderous outcomes um, and, not, and not telling us. And also our government knew. Uh, and and hit it. They they knew every single thing. These documents say FDA confidential at the bottom of many of them, and they they did not disclose to us. Now, just to be very clear about this, guys, recognize that this is not hyperbole. This is literally in the documentation. You can check out for yourself. And we've gone over a lot of this from before. It's right in those documents. What I think is very obvious is that they just assume that most people, Americans and otherwise, just won't get into it which is how they've trained them thus far. You know, good dog. Just ignore it. If it says what you don't, we're told you is fake, just don't even look at it. The problem is that she is pointing out you can look at it, but they'll just ignore it because partisanship or whatever else. That's the problem. It's amazing how obvious this is. They are on the record caught that they knew these things and nothing, nothing's happening. Now, maybe this will be pushed into some side of some sort of legal process. I don't, I don't trust that that even is legitimate. Even I think we're at such a broken level today that we just need to stand up as a population and express that we just are. I mean, I hate to even get into that point because it's like, I, I don't have the answers. I honestly don't know what the right step would be to full, but I know what, what we should be doing is acknowledging we have this problem and speaking out about it. It can't just be this independent media. Everybody everywhere has to take a stance and take, make the hard choices right now that will affect your life probably in some ways and stand up for this stuff. Because it's so very clear. It's never been this obvious that all we need to do is just take that last step. We have the evidence. We have the documentation. We have all the things. We have, we've improved. We have the continuity of the narrative right in front of us. They're on the record caught. We just need to take the last step. And I think the only thing stopping that from happening is partisan media, partisan perceptions. That you're trying to do, well, what about, you know, pointing in other directions. China, Russia, they're, they're the last point we're just missed. I need to recognize that it's not just the Democrats or just the Republicans. It's our government. And if we could just see that, we have all we need right now. Because in their mind, I can promise you, it's not about Trump's administration. It's about the Democrats and Biden's administration, even though Trump was just as much, if not more involved with exactly what we're talking about. That's my point. And that breaks the actual change that this could create. Now, whether they're no aware of that or not, it's something you should ask. So some of the main headlines are um, Pfizer knew and the FDA knew a month after the rollout in November of 2020 that the vaccines did not work. They knew they had, quote, their words, waning efficacy or vaccine failure. Yep. Um, and they gave limited, if any, uh, protection. Well, you and I didn't know that until April of the following year, after millions of people had accepted two vaccines, thinking this is it, I'm done, I, you know, I'm protected, because that's what we were told by the spokesmodels and by the um, the uh, government uh, employees, the government agencies, um, safe and effective. Our president said, you know, you will be completely protected once you're vaccinated. They knew it wasn't true. Uh, and it wasn't until April of 2021 when a study came out of Israel showing 
waning efficacy and then, oh, wow, I guess you need a booster. I guess you need six boosters, right? Ultimately, we found the CDC documents showing they plan for six different boosters. Long- I think we also saw that in France, I believe, you know, where they, where they, uh, it got, they weren't, they early released something that showed multiple more slots than they were talking about. Like this, so much foreknowledge guys. And there's so much awareness behind the scenes that they knew this was going beyond what they said it was. If that's all you can wrap your mind around, that's enough. It goes so much deeper than that, but they willfully misrepresented what was happening. And it was to your detriment, to the detriment of your health and your families. Please hear that for maybe the new people hearing this show. Long ago, but the FDA knew this um, six months before and did not tell us. Um, we weren't told that the mRNA, the lipid nanoparticles and the spike protein does not stay in the deltoid. Right injection site, even though every doctor, every spokesperson claimed that it did. I had doctors telling me when I said, where does it go? They said, oh, it stays in the deltoid, of course. Not true. Pfizer knew and the FDA knew that within 48 hours, it goes right into your bloodstream. And from there, it lodges in your liver. And again, many, many children are having liver problems now. People are mystified. It goes into your liver. It goes into your adrenal your spleen and all the things where we've covered all this, right? We talked about the fact that it's, that it goes into all your reproductive organs. It goes into your spleen predominantly. That's the lipid nanoparticle concentration, you know, or the, or the reproductive issue, or, I mean, it's, it's all of this. We've discussed it or the, the staying in your arm, right? The fact that this has obvious, and it's not just 48 hours. The, the actual peer reviewed science that we discussed shows that within one hour, it's already circulating your bloodstream. It was 12, 11 out of 13 people. You know, and so um, this is important stuff, but it's amazing. This has been there for a year and a half, most of it. Your lymph nodes, and if you're a woman, it goes into your ovaries um, and lodges there. They knew that. Um, I remember the rat study I keep showing you, or have shown you many times, where almost 10% of the, the female rats had an almost 10% decrease in reproductivity. And I simply go, well, if it wasn't below 25% decrease, it's not worth reporting. It says it right there on the document. And then they go on to report that it has no effects for reproductivity. It's, this is the kind of stuff we're talking about. This has all been there. This, these documents are just making it absolutely solidified as things that they knew before the studies came out. They knew this. Pfizer knew this. It was a massive cover-up. Pfizer lost hundreds of, of records of, of adverse events. They stopped locating them. Uh, Pfizer knew that about four months after the rollout of the mass vaccination, there had been 42, more than 42,000 adverse events. Oh, more than 1,200 people died. And four of those people died on the day that they were injected. As, as Burning Beard points out, and this is my point, all of this, you guys know, it's, it's old news to you because we've discussed this, not just with theories, but with peer-reviewed science. The point she's making here is not that we didn't know this. I've seen her cover a lot of this stuff too before this, is that we're now proving that Pfizer knew this too. Not just because we can point out what they've said, but because of their own documentation. This goes back to the beginning, for 2020. It's in their documentation. This doesn't work. It wanes. Vaccine failure, right? That's the real takeaway. Not just that it happened and you knew it happened, but they, we can now prove that Pfizer knew it before they pushed it on everybody, before they made billions and billions in profit, before they increased myocarditis risk across the population, before they increased blood clots and heart attacks and everywhere. They knew this was possible. If not possible, they knew that this was more than possible. They knew that this was a risk and they covered it up. That's the main point. 
four of his people died on the day that they were injected. Pfizer knew, oh, this one is one of my most distressing headlines. As a mother and as a stepmother, they knew in May of 2021 that uh, 35 teenagers had had heart damage a week after having been injected with mRNA uh, vaccines. And they didn't tell us, uh, the FDA knew they didn't tell us. Millions of teens, including young adults that I love, as a result of the rollout and the EUA approval in June of 2021. There is no such thing as an EUA approval for crying out loud, guys. We need to be more, I mean, I make mistakes in my language all the time, but that one drives me crazy. I can't stop making this point. There's only approval and emergency authorization. To argue that it is full approval or EUA approval, however you want to frame that, is to simply make the argument without saying it that emergency use authorization is a normal part of the process. It is not. It is only supposed to be done in emergencies and times where you force to do that because the risks out or the benefits outweigh the risks and unknowns on both sides. That's not what's happening right now. In fact, there's two different reasons the emergency authorization should have already been revoked. They don't care. They've dropped below 50%. There's an approved substance. There's other uses of three things. There's other viable options like ivermectin and whatever else they're claiming. Even their claim that Paxlovid works is supposed to put the undermining point on the emergency authorization. There's no such thing, right? The argument is frustrating. Or the statement is frustrating because it suggests that this is always normal. And Fauci blatantly lied about that. It's just a normal process of the, no, it's not. Their own documentation makes that clear. But yet again, another example of how they'll state a blatant lie when their own pages say the opposite and nobody seems to hear it. But anyway, I had to make that point. Could just be a slip of the tongue. Saying, go ahead, it's okay for teens, safe and effective. Um, they didn't tell parents till August of 2021 about myocard. Um, so that was four months in which parents did not have informed consent and went ahead and got their minors injected. Even though- And they don't have informed consent still because they're not telling people antibody-dependent enhancement is possible despite the peer-reviewed science that said it was significant and severe. So who cares? So the point is that all this stuff has still been there and they're still breaking these rules. So young adults and teenagers and children are at very little to no risk from COVID if they don't have serious comorbidities. Um, Pfizer, grief. oh, here's one. Uh, and, and then I, I'll get to the babies. I have to get to the babies before you stop me. But uh, Moderna's dose, according to Pfizer documents, is 100 micrograms of these lipid nanoparticles, spike protein, and mRNA. Um, Pfizer's dose for adults is 30, so less than a third the same amount. Pfizer knew that 100 micrograms was so dangerous and had so many more adverse events that they stopped it internally due to its reactogenicity. That's their word. But they didn't tell my mom who got the 100 microgram Moderna dose. They didn't tell anyone who got the the first and second Moderna dose that the, the amount was too high and that it was dangerous and maybe they shouldn't take the booster or they shouldn't take that second shot. They should wait and be observed. They did not tell anyone, but they knew it was too dangerous. Okay, how about the fact that that's exactly why there's no such thing as a mix and match scenario? There are literally different amounts, different holding temperatures, different expiration dates. But yeah, just go ahead and use the other one. How about just take AstraZeneca after mRNAs? Who cares? That's literally happening in the UK right now and places in the US. Just go get your fourth one from whichever one you want. Just pick out of the bargain bin. Who cares? Like, it just has to show you how wildly off the rails this got when they're like, I don't just as long as you put something in your arm, then you're good. 
but then you got to have four more after that. I mean, it's just so crazy. That's her point, though, is that these things are wildly different, but they're pretending you could just take the next one from any other lot that you want to pick from. And that's not meant to be lots as in the other conversation about the different dangerousnesses of the different lots. That's just, I didn't mean to confuse those two things, but going forward. And they dropped it internally. Um, Let me fast forward to really horrific, the most horrific headlines are the ones that have just come out in the last week or two from these volunteers. So I asked them to drill down into pregnancy and childbirth and lactation because I did the research and I share this with readers in the bodies of others, showing that the CDC was saying safe and effective, the New York Times was saying safe and effective for pregnant women, but there were no studies, no studies showing that that was true. You've heard this before. Well, the Pfizer document volunteers found that the claims that the vaccines were safe and effective for pregnant women was based on a study of 44 French rats that lasted for 42 days. You've heard this. Uh, There wasn't even enough time given these rats, these mother rats to give birth and see if their baby rats were okay. They autopsied the fetuses, decided they were fine for human women and their babies. Of course, and remember, these these are the, these are the fetuses that had weird rib uh, um, abnormalities or are weird, like they grew like an extra rib or all these weird little things. Like the, the fetuses had abnormalities in their skeletal, skeletal structure. That was the fight. That's the Pfizer documentation she's discussing. That's not supposed to matter. I've shown you that like seven times on the show in different points. That's the same one that says they had almost a 10% decrease in reproductivity. Babies. And then the people who ran this uh, study were doctors who were shareholders or employees of Pfizer and BioNTech. And BioNTech is the subsidiary that makes the Pfizer vaccines. Um, So it's totally conflicted study of 44 French rats. In the internal documents, it shows that babies are getting sick and dying from vaccinated mothers. It shows- Do you remember the earliest case of this that we discussed, like way in the beginning of all this? It it was one of the earliest Bayer's reports that we found in regard to the trial and that was that a woman had breastfed after the injection and the baby died like a day later. And of course, they swept it under the rug and said, we can't prove it. We don't know for sure. And that's when they left it. Just like I keep telling you that they, they don't. So we don't know for sure. So we're going to make sure we find out. No, no, no. We don't know for sure. So we pretend it's not real and we move forward. That's what keeps happening. If you don't know for sure, that means it could be real. They don't care. That's why I keep pointing with theirs. They go, well, well, fake news. We can't prove except they'll point at it and they have many times to make their arguments. All hypocritical double standards everywhere. It's frustrating. That 270 women, even though pregnant women were excluded from the trials, right? So therefore no basis on which to say they were safe and effective. Nonetheless, 270 women got pregnant during the, uh, during the, the period that they were being followed by Pfizer. Um, <laughs> the records of 230 of those are gone. No one can find them. They are missing. But 36 pregnant women were followed. They gave birth, vaccinated women. 28 of those women lost their babies. 20 women, the babies died. So I think it was something like 80 in in the documents, like 83 to 90 something percent of the women that were in the trial that had babies that were vaccinated, lost them. Now, again, remember, that's when they've omitted and just act like they can't find 230 additional reports. 
Now, that whether that's because they pretend that it happened in the first 21 days or, you know, how they play that game. And they go, oh, those don't count. It happened too early, so it must have been from before without any due diligence to find out if that's true. The bottom line is, even the numbers that they show you, after hiding things from you, it still shows you that 80 plus percent of the women that were got, that got pregnant during this process lost their babies. How in the world is this not corporate news if there's honest news out there? Well, the answer is there's not. That's the point. You're not seeing this on Fox News. You're not seeing this on CNN. Ha- ask yourself what that shows you. It gets worse. Um, a, a, an Israeli journalist named Etana Hecht looked at, at what the Pfizer volunteers were finding, and she pulled together uh, news articles from three different countries. The countries are Scotland, Canada, and Israel. And there is a baby die-off, and we now know why that's happening. Um, in Canada, in one province, Ontario, they usually have a baseline of five or six dead babies, you know, neonatal deaths. They, in one three-month period after the province got heavily vaccinated, eighty-six babies died. So it was yeah. so bad that documentary uh, testimony about this in. Scotland, where I used to live, it's an almost completely vaccinated country. In 2021, when everyone got vaccinated, they, the rate of fetal death, I'm sorry, newborn death doubled. Twice as many newborns died. We've talked about that one as well. I mean, the fact is all this, and again, don't forget for those maybe new, everything she's saying is, is in either in the Pfizer documentation or in studies that can be referenced if you just want to do your due diligence. All this stuff is provable. Just with a fraction of what she's pointing out, how is this still happening? Right? And somebody's asking about Novavax. Yes, I'm going to get to that next. And in Haifa, in Israel, at Rambam Hospital, vaccinated mothers uh, had a stillbirth, spontaneous abortion, and miscarriage rate 34% above that of unvaccinated mothers. And just to be clear, by the way, the a 10% reduction in, in reproductivity or fertility is very different than the rate at which they die in fetuses or in pregnancy, right? Two different things. Because what we're talking about in general is just a overall reduction in reproductivity in regard to the, the, the study they found. Again, I guarantee even that's probably manipulated based on what we've seen elsewhere. But there's a whole other factor in regard to how often the babies will die at once they're, you know, in, what's the term? Is it gestation? That's not right, is it? In any case, while they're, you know, in the process of being born. So there's a baby die because you've got to scale those numbers, those signals among 190, you know, vaccinated countries. And if you're wondering why uh, the, the War Room Daily Cloud volunteers seem to have found at least one of the reasons why. Um, and it's shocking, but it's predictable. Polya, I'm sorry. Lipid nanoparticles, they're hard, fatty casings. They hold, they contain the mRNA. They're tiny, but they're hard. They're made of, of, of a fatty substance. Well, this is zooming around in your body, and it's, it's going through every human membrane. It crosses the blood-brain barrier, so that can account for the strokes and dementia-type issues that we're seeing, the hemorrhages, the clotting. You know, it, th- that plays a factor, in my opinion. It's far, far, far more about the spike protein than lipid nanoparticles, just to be clear. And that's my opinion, but it's also based on most every expert I've heard talk about this in regard to that. But lipid nanoparticles, very clearly, as I've made, I've done entire shows on, are also in and of themselves toxic in a lot of different ways. Whether we're talking just nanoparticles or just specifically lipids, 
lipid nanoparticles. The point being that we're talking about things that could be dangerous. But then even the mRNA it's delivering in and of itself can also be dangerous. But based on people like like uh, Bhakti we played in the beginning, doc, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Dan Danny Rancourt, plenty of experts are arguing the spike protein is undeniably the most damaging part of this, just so we're clear on that. So that's that's my opinion. So many clotting adverse events, but it also it also traverses the amniotic membrane. So these hard fatty alien particles are getting inside the amniotic fluid where the baby lives. And not only that, um, even if the babies are, are, you know, are born okay, uh, what we're finding is that, and this is an NIH uh, study, preprint has shown this, polyethylene glycol, which is in the Pfizer injections, is a, a petroleum byproduct. It's in white strips, for instance. You're not supposed to ingest it or inject it into your body. Not for human use. We've talked about this both in regard to the other uh, the lipids, or the, which one, in any case, we've talked about this specifically in regard to polyethylene glycol peg. And as always, give the shout out to James Lyons Weiler, who stood there 2020, right in the beginning on those capital steps and made the statement that you're all going to get hurt by this. He has the data. He's submitted it to the governments. Nobody's listening. They don't care. Right. And here we are proving that's the case. And it's in the vaccines. And so vaccinated mothers in the Pfizer documents were showing suppressed lactation and they were showing four of them, their breast milk turned blue green. I'm not making this up, oh. which Harvey Risch said informally, you know, that coloration shows a problem with the blood. And of course, breast milk is related to blood. So the polyethylene glycol is showing up in trace amounts in breast milk that was tested. Well, what's a trace amount if you're a newborn? You're a tiny newborn with no immunities. This is your only food. You're ingesting polyethylene glycol. And the babies in the studies of vaccinated mothers were showing gastrointestinal distress, agitation, and sleeplessness. Well, we're getting reports of that uh, from mothers across the country. Right. Um, so, and we don't know, like they, they followed them for two weeks. We don't know if those babies are thriving or failing to thrive. Um, and there were examples of failing to thrive in the Pfizer documents. And of course, the point should be made that if they now go and look at them and they are failing or having endless well visits or whatever else, going to the doctor constantly or have all sorts of problems, allergies and whatever, the point is that they will not, they will choose on purpose not to associate that with anything because they just know they're not supposed to. Well, that's only what conspiracy theorists do. That's the argument, right? So you just, you can't, you will not do it. That's what's happening, whether it's heart problems or heart attack. Well, we don't know. We don't know if that child, you know, fell and became unconscious because of the injection or because of some challenge online. We don't know. And we'll fail to look into it because we don't want to. And in fact, one nursing baby of a vaccinated mother died um, and was found to have liver inflammation in the Pfizer documents. So this is happening at a time that they Doctor. like. Yes, I should. Obviously important, guys. And again, please take the time to go through this. And as she said, they've got whole teams looking through this stuff. But it doesn't mean you might not find something they miss or might not find something that they might overlook because it's not partisan related or so on. Not her specifically, but the you know the war room team that is probably going to selectively skip over certain things in any research because it doesn't go in the right direction. Now, maybe I'll get hated on that for that. But I think a lot of these partisan people don't even realize they're doing it, to be quite honest. The problem is the partisanship breaks your objectivity. But going forward to another point of this, here's McCullough pointing out 
Prion's disease, another thing we were yelling, yelling about back in 2020, I believe. Prion disease, incurable form of neurological degen degeneration driven by foreign proteins. Great concern with abundant Wuhan spike protein produced for an uncontrolled duration and quality after each injection. Remember, the Wuhan isolate, if that's even what we're talking about, what they say it is, is not even in, the point is, in their narrative, the idea is we've moved so far beyond that to the point where they argue we need new injections because it's not even viable anymore. And now we know that their original documentation knew that it wouldn't be viable right from the beginning, but we're, they're producing antibodies in people's bodies that are related to something that's not even circulating anymore. They know that. We know that. They knew it would be dangerous. Fauci admitted to be dangerous. Ryan Cole talked about it. They knew this could be dangerous, and they do it. They're still pushing it on people anyway. Prion's disease has a subtle onset, he says, progresses at an accelerating rate. And they'll call this, uh, they won't associate it with the injection. Here's the article, Incurable Disease Linked to COVID-19 Vaccine. We'll come in this a second. We've shown you this one before, 2021, actually. No, no it was 2020, December 2020. But before we go there, here's the actual article he's linking to. A preprint French study suggests that the Pfizer, Moderna, and AstraZeneca vaccines may have contributed to the emergence of a new type of sporadic, uh, what was it again? Um, I'm blanking on it. Uh, Crutchfield-Jacob disease. A sporadic Crutchfield-Jacob disease that is much more aggressive and rapid in progression than the traditional form of the disease. They're talking about the injections, mRNA and the other ones, causing prions disease in your body. This is another study. Preprint, yes. But guess what? There's a lot of them. Toward the emergence of a new form of the neurodegenerative degenerative Crutchfield-Jacob disease, 26 cases of this declared in a few days after COVID injections. Here's another one. This one from 2019. Look at that. Crutchfield-Jacob disease after the coronavirus disease, COVID-19 vaccination. Isn't that interesting? Predates. Well, here, this is interesting, actually. So what we're talking about here is, oh, I see. So this is specifically talking about the, here, let me find the actual, oh, that's right. Okay, 2021. This is just using the term coronavirus disease, COVID-2019, which is strange to me, by the way, why it would be that. But in any case, 2021, they're simply talking about getting this after COVID injection. There's plenty of studies about this. We've shown you this one. This was a big one, peer-reviewed even though they came to attack it after the fact. COVID-19, RNA-based vaccines, and the risk of prion disease. All the things we've seen, by the way, and specifically talking about how these things have been shown to, uh, where is it? This specific protein problem, is it's uh, known to cause ALS, temporal labor degeneration, Alzheimer's disease, neurological, I mean, we've seen all this stuff, and these especially, especially neurological problems are not being associated with the injection. We're baffled in Canada by this neurological disease that we can't point to, we can't associate with any problem except for the obvious correlation that the genetic manipulation we pumped into everybody's arms, but no, we can't look at that. That's the point, though. All these studies are going, yes, that can cause that, and they're not looking at it. And again, Highly credentialed, if not one of the most credentialed experts on this topic, speaking out, telling you this is happening. And of course, we have, you know, the CEO of Pfizer telling you that you're just stupid for not taking this injection, right? Telling you that the uneducated populations out there are the only reason these aren't being used. But don't, don't listen to any of that. Don't trust the science, or rather don't trust the peer-reviewed science. Only trust the, quote, science that they're shoving in your face, which is not science at all. In fact, it's narrative. But Pfizer says their vaccines are safe during pregnancy and breastfeeding. I'm not making this up, guys. This came out today. You know why? 
because these conversations are being had. All the facts and the data, including Pfizer's own documentation, where you can show Pfizer's name, you can show the FDA stamp, you can show where they knew that this is not true. And yet they still say this in Twitter. Pfizer vaccine safe during pregnancy and breastfeeding, experts say. Can you believe this? Well, on top of the fact that their new documentation, which you should see for yourself, says the same thing, we don't even need to go there. Because this is what she's referencing. We know this because their documentation before the dump already shows this. You know why you know that? Because we've referenced this 100,000 times since it came out. February 2022, the last update. It still says, use in pregnancy while breastfeeding. The safety profile of the vaccine is not fully known in pregnant or breastfeeding women. So Art, tell me for how in the world Pfizer or Twitter or experts can argue that it is if they just said we don't know because they're lying to you, just like, just like Naomi Wolf told you. They told everybody it was safe and they knew it wasn't. They told everybody it would last forever and they knew it wouldn't. They're lying. This needs to, this is incredible. We are at a point right now where this has never been, this, we need to take that final step. These people need to be put in prison. And if you want to peruse this document even further, you can find out what it says. Immunocompromised patients, they don't know if it's safe, even though they're telling them to get it first. Frail people with comorbidities, such as elderly people, they don't know if it's safe, even though they're forcing it on them first, which is why most of them probably died. Or the fact that the interaction with vaccines, right? Like the flu vaccine that they're pushing to get you to get at the same time. They don't know if it's safe. Co-determination and, and the safety of that was not performed. How can they do that? How about the fact that the long-term safety is currently unknown, but they're till they're giving it to babies and children, but we don't even know how long-term safety is. It's never been this. It's this is baffling in the real sense of the word, because it's amazing how it can be this clear and still happens. Now, in regard to Novavax, today, June seventh, FDA panel recommends Novavax COVID vaccine be the fourth emergency authorized used injection in the U.S. I can't, I actually couldn't believe this. You know why? Because we just talked about this. Here's Politico. The FDA's Independent Vaccine Advisory Committee, which is just completely a broken group of vaccine promoters, to recommend that regulators authorize the Novavax COVID vaccine for emergency use in adults. Emergency use. Right. We're still emergency authorizing these things, even though we've got multiple injections in use? How does that even legally make sense? Why wouldn't you just make sure that it's approved if we're already, because the point is that they can't get these things used if they're not emergency authorized because they're dangerous. You don't want to know why I know that? Because they just told you that. Besides the fact that we already know that from a lot of other angles, they just reported this on the third. The US FDA who just approved that, or excuse me, authorized that, see, even I slip up, uh, authorized that emergency today on the third, just told you that they flagged that very shot for heart inflammation risk. I mean, how do you even make sense of that? So it's okay that it inflames the hearts of children? So go ahead and take it anyway? Because emergency. Because we're in an emergency. Guys, this is just obscene. I mean, this is crazy. But it keeps going. It's up to you. What are we going to do about it? And I'm not calling for violence. It's time to do something about this. This has never been as clear as I've seen it today. Now, the point is that they're pushing this in as this is still happening. And they're already floating a B, BA5 and other variants of variants of variants are floating and it could be dangerous, but we don't know for sure. It's just yelling everything to get you scared. They're seemingly floating up this whole narrative of monkeypox. Now, remember, we've talked about this a lot. A lot. 
way back in the beginning of May, before this ever started, the idea that this is happening, or the very fact that it could happen. Monkeypox designated as a, as a notifiable disease, says the UK Health Security Agency. A new, the new legislation means all doctors in England are now required to notify their local council or local health protection team if they even suspect monkeypox. Right, so all those side effects, I think we've seen at least four or five of them from these injections that look almost just like monkeypox or any kind of pox. Well, of course, they're going to go, well, it could be monkeypox. PCR test, false positive, and there you go. And we're off and running. Is it chickenpox? Is it smallpox? Is it a side effect of injection? Is it anything else? Who knows? But PCR tests will sure as hell give you a positive if you do it enough times. So we're going to see that happen. More and more and more. And then suddenly, if they wanted to, this becomes the next thing. Now, don't forget, by the way, as they're calling it a notifiable disease, what do these things even mean? Obviously, that means they have to be notified about it. But remember, COVID-19 since March 19, 2020 in the UK, since that point, is no longer, as it lists right here on their website, considered to be a high-consequence infectious disease. But we're in an emergency, though. Biggest pandemic in a century, though. But it's still not a high-consequence disease. Because those things make sense together, right? It's not high-consequence. But we're all going to die, though. Got it. Okay, so the point is, this is just another label as they raise the discussion of these things. Monkeypox now confirmed in 12 states, says Washington, D.C., as cases grow. So why is this even being reported if this is not, if nobody has died from this, which is the case, why are we still talking about this? Because it's all about keeping this biosecurity state mRNA future circling around in your mind as they drive this forward. CDC raises monkeypox alert to level two. Why exactly? Recommends masks during travel. You mean the things that aren't effective? Aren't statistically significant in reducing transmission as we've proven, as you guys have admitted in other ways? Yep, but do it anyway, though. In fact, now we also know that it increases your risk of illness. Maybe that's why they want you to start doing it again. So it'll also bolster the illusion they're creating. If that's what they know they're doing, who even knows? The bottom line is, yes, it does. As we've shown you, peer-reviewed science has shown you, increase your fatality risk from the very thing that Tilly is protecting you from. But then, but then, well, sorry, on top of that, CDC recommends wearing masks due to another disease spreading globally, fear-mongering. By the way, the part they leave out is nobody's died and it's not that dangerous. Yeah, but who cares about those things, though? But here's the best part. Less than 24 hours later, they pull back the recommendation for masks. Not a joke. The centers, the CDC scrubbed the recommendation from their website. The CDC apparently did not respond to comment. Yeah, th- this is, I mean, guys, this is the point. As I said here, they're either the most incompetent people in the field or they want us to be uncertain and confused, like we both. But here we go again. In less than 24 hours, <clears throat> excuse me, the CDC told you to wear a mask because monkey box and then quietly removed the recommendation and refused to comment. How else do you see that? Either they're confused themselves, or they're trying to make you uncertain and confused. Less than 24 hours, and you, if you're going to scrub it, then comment on it. Okay, this is just uncertainty and confusion. They want you to fall into your apathy and do what you're told. When none of this makes any sense, because it's not even helping you, it's actually hurting you, and this is not even dangerous according to what we actually think we know about it, unless it's something different, which it could be, and on and on and on. This is ridiculous. To finish off here, guys, As Kieran JP points out, another conspiracy theory comes true, which, by the way, this one has actually been shown to be true even before this in regard to climate change lockdowns that they're already floating. But as he points out, climate lockdowns are highly likely in the future. 
which I'm actually interested by this point. It's just sort of different than climate lockdowns. So thank you for sharing this. Masquerading as a way of dealing with manipulated energy shortages. Now, I'll, this is, I'll show you the part that he, that he points out right here. But check this out. This is from the 6th yesterday. Return of work from home plan. And this is in Ireland. To save fuel in event of crisis caused by Ukraine war. So we're not talking about COVID. We're not even talking about climate change. We're talking about the fuel crisis they've created that they're blaming on Putin and going, we may go back to work from home plans just to save that fuel. I mean, it's just, so you can't miss how yet again, from a, from a third angle now, they're rationalizing the same action because that because of fuel, because of climate, because of Ukraine, because of COVID, because it will just lock down, guys. That's the point. It doesn't matter why. We just want you to lock down. We want to control you. I mean, come on. Why are we pretending that lockdowns, call, whatever name you want to give it, work from home plan, don't leave your house, is anything but an absolute control mechanism that is destroying people's lives? Children, families, economies, jobs, everything. Oh, but just to save fuel that we've created the shortage of. So the point here to take away is that these will be applied however they decide to, and they'll force you into it when they when they push in the narrative when they want to. It says, as he highlighted, the Irish Independent can reveal that in the event of a national fuel crisis, which, by the way, they're already claiming we're, we're in, emergency contingency measures discussed at the high-level meeting include all non-essential workers will be ordered to work from home. A limit will be placed on all non-essential car travel. A strict limit on the amount of fuel motorists can buy at any one time. Good God. The implementation of an immediate and strict reduction of the speed limit. <laughs> wow. The plan also includes the introduction of an emergency scheme. Of course, it's an emergency declaration. Whereby motorists with an odd number at the end of their car registration will only be allowed to drive or refuel on alternate days. Welcome to the new normal where we just arbitrarily in, drive in these control mechanisms because of what we say is a problem or because of things that we create, regardless of why. This is crazy overstepping from a totalitarian government mindset. But lockdowns are coming back at some point for some reason, one way or the other. And this is likely one of the reasons why, as we've already played for you, Derek and I just talked about. By the, on that note, by the way, I should have included that great interview I just had with Derek. I want you guys to check out. Talking about the World Economic Forum, the Davos meeting, and everything that just happened. It's an important discussion. Oh, yeah. Put these up today. Right here. Make sure you check this out. It's a really good conversation, too. meeting reveals your future, whether you like it or not. Now, here's one of the things he pointed out. Alibaba Group President Michael Evans boasts at the World Economic Forum about the development of an individual carbon footprint tracker to monitor what you buy, what you eat, and where and how you travel. At first, with benefits, but when and how long until the negative consequences come for not doing it? We're developing through technology, an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. 
Also note that nobody seemed to be excited about that in the crowd, but so an individual tracker. Now, of course, they're going to say, well, it's, you know, it's, it's your choice and you can do it. That's how it always starts. And who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it won't end up that way. But just recognize that they were seeing a, a, not even slow these days, slower than it has been over the last year and a half, but a creeping direction drive for, toward tracking everything you're doing, carbon footprint, social credit scores, which they are, this is the crazy part about it. If you actually listen to what they're saying, like listen to what they're saying we're going through, listen to what these things are going to cause, I'll show you next. They're telling you this stuff. They're telling you that this is going to be implemented because we have to, because we're going to kill the planet and, and so on and so on. That they will use these things for ESG scores, for social impact finance kind of discussions where they're going to use these things to drive you to take action. They decide is best for you. That's not a secret. They're openly saying this stuff. And yet, if you talk about this in the Twitterverse and the, the corporate media discussions, you're fake news and you're hype. You're a fear monger and you're lying about it. It's just like everything else we've already discussed. They come up and they yell you down for things that we can literally prove right now. It's very sad, but this is coming. It's right in front of us. And we see things like this, which is the next logical step. Because yes, we're going to say, if you read in, if you read the documentation about what he's discussing, he talks about benefits and positives and you know discounts on this or that for doing the right thing. But again, how long until it becomes, well, guess what? Your phone will be shut off if you don't do it. Well, because we're all going to die if we don't, right? That's the kind of sentiment they're pushing. We have to because COVID is going to kill everybody or because climate change is going to kill everybody or because whatever. Well, I just, I'm blanking on the other one with this. Oh, you're right. Because the fuel is going to run out. We have to. It isn't, they're going to push in a hyperbolic, fear-mongering narrative, whether it's real or not, to drive in what they want. And we saw, we've already discussed this. This is from April 2022. Nigeria blocks 73 million mobile phones in a security clampdown. They have this access already. And the point is, once they decide to decide to with things like this and social credit scores for whether you're doing the right things or sharing the right content, they can take these actions. And they're openly telling you they're building this out. Here is, and these are Andrew Lawton shared a lot of this, a great, great content creator from Canada. He's also on SuperU. Speaking about small and medium businesses in Davos, Norwegian finance CEO Kirsten Brathin says energy transition which is what they're telling you we're going through, a transition to the green future, which is the Great Reset, which is Build Back Better. Understand that. This transition, which they'll tell you we're currently in the middle of, will create energy shortages and inflationary pressures. But this pain is worth it. You've heard all of these words in reference to Russia bad guy, Putin, Ukraine. So explain for me how that's possible. How can this guy sit here and bluster about how, where was it? about how it's only Putin that's causing all of this, only Putin and Russia. Yet right now they'll stand up and say what we're currently doing is going to cause energy shortages and is doing that. And inflation, like your prices, like your food shortages, like your gas inflation, or all of this stuff. How do you explain that? They can't both be happening at the same time if you're arguing only one exists. The reality is, in my opinion, this is almost predominantly because of driven to reality action, such as what's happening in Ukraine, on top of the fact that they're using that to cover what they're creating with their rebuilding and reimagining your future. Because guess what? You have to destroy these things for them to be rebuilt. And again, that sounds like conspiracy theory to people that don't want to hear it. But if you pretend that's fake, it, it, it it's exactly what they're saying. I mean, verbatim. Frustrating. But then here's the best part, because this confused old man literally just told you that it's all Putin. And by the way, so did she. And I'll play that next. Or maybe we'll play this first.
here she is saying his policies helped to get it back. His, his policies has helped the economy, or excuse me, his policies has helped the economy get back on its feet, correct the same problem. But here's what she says again, same point. So next question would be, does President Biden take any responsibility for his policies potentially contributing to inflation? His policies has helped the economy get back on its feet. That's what his policy has, his policies has done. Uh, right. So no. So no. Not even a fraction of the responsibility, right? Good, good job for regurgitating the pocking points that you can barely read properly. But here is what Biden just said. And again, just because I feel like it's always have to point, I don't have to, but you know, people would love to take these as racial points. They're not, you utter racist for thinking that because you're wrong. It's she's just dumb for being dumb. It's nothing to do with her skin color. But here is what Biden just said. Joe Biden says, when it comes to the gas prices, we're going through an incredible transition. Wait a minute. But you just swore up and down that it was only because of Putin. That guy at the EU said it was only because of Putin. So how can we be going through a transition that's causing the gas prices to change? You can't have both, guys. When it comes to the gas prices, uh, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that God willing, when it's over, will be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over. Now, I'm all for a less reliance on fossil fuels, but I'm nonetheless, on top of all of it, that we shouldn't be forced into one direction or the other, but at the end of the day, we should be promoting things that aren't killing the planet, right? I mean, that's just a basic reality. That's not talking about climate change. It's talking about how we're obviously hurting the planet in a thousand ways, including masks and gloves and everything else. But as it even says right here, Biden says the transition away from fossil fuels is incredible, right? He's talking about the transition away from what we're using traditionally to make gasoline and do all these things. And the point is that is a transition which is causing gas prices to rise. <laughs> it's just so embarrassing. So as I said, but wait, I thought this was only Putin's gas hike. And any suggestion otherwise was conspiracy theory. Why, am I confused? Let's listen to what she says again. So the next question would be, does President Biden take any responsibility for his policies potentially contributing to inflation? His policies has helped the economy get back on its feet. That's what his policy has, his policies has done. Um, this, when we talk about the gas prices right now, this is indeed Putin's gas hike. This is what we have seen in the most recent months of, of what we've seen at the gas pump. <laughs> I just can't stop. God, I can't even take it seriously. She's terrible at that. You didn't even make sense. You didn't even answer the question. They never really answered the questions, but the mail was just clumsy. I, I went over this before. I just, it's just embarrassing. But the point is, guys, that they're, that's Putin's gas hike, Putin's hike, like Pelosi. That's all they know to say. Putin's hike, Putin's gas hike, except Biden literally just said the opposite. Now, here's why. It doesn't have to mean that Putin didn't have an effect on that. I'll, I'll, I could say that. Obviously, any kind of uncertainty, any kind of, uh, you know, what's going on wartime is going to have effects on these things. Real flow of oil and so on, right? But you can't pretend stupidly that it's only Putin when one, these things rose most of the way, maybe at least half of the way before this ever started, and even Pelosi admitted that, on top of that, where he's now admitting that it's the transition that's at least causing part of this. So why this clumsy effort to say it's only Putin, both from the European Union side of it or from the White House discussion point? Because they're just hypocrites, guys, because it's all a post-truth world and they're lying and they're saying they're saying one thing this way, one thing that way, and it doesn't matter. 
unless we do something about it. I think they know they've lost control of this narrative. They just don't care. And I think they've gotten to a point where they're like, well, look, no one's done anything yet. We've lost this, but they're just letting it happen still. So let's just keep going. Finally, Reuters reports from May 24th, by the way, so it's not new, but it's reasonably new into 2022. A global health fund has raised a third of the $18 billion it says is needed to reverse the setbacks caused by the COVID pandemic or what, you know, insert what we caused by destroying your economy and destroying your lives. Some phantom virus didn't do that. Your solution did that. Remember when Trump kept yelling that the solution will not be worse than the problem? Well, it's exactly what you created, Trump, and exactly what Biden continued to make worse, guys. It's exactly that. The solution is quite literally way worse than the problem, exactly like we all expected, exactly like he was. I mean, it doesn't matter. You could theorize into it all day long. But they did this, blaming it on this thing. And the point is not just the reverse, the setbacks caused by the pandemic, but also just randomly on top of all of it, to combat AIDS, malaria, tuberculosis. Because that all makes sense, right? All these things that were basically not even being discussed before this, but now they're just huge problem, almost like something else caused it to get worse. All right, so they're raising funds to stop the things that they've created with their terrible products, or maybe the products that worked exactly the way they wanted them to, with the latest boost coming from funding announced this year at, guess what, the World Economic Forum Davos meeting. Round and round we go. Unless we decide to do something here, guys, this is only going to keep going forward. It's as simple as that. I will say again, I never, ever advocate for violence. Violence begets violence, which doesn't mean there's not appropriate times to use violence when you're under attack, when you are literally having your life or your family's life threatened. That's just a simple reality. That's libertarian in the sense that you have a right to, you know, defend yourself. But that's not the idea. Like, I mean, uh, uh, to each their own in understanding and dissecting what and when you feel you should be able to do that. The bottom line is a clear statement for me. I do not advocate or support the act of violence in the pursuit of political ends. I simply do not. I never will. Because I believe that that is exactly what led us here. Now, of course, I could be wrong. But my point is that we need, and the reason I say that is to preface that we need to do something. It is a time of action, guys. If we just, I mean, I'm going to keep doing this because this is always and will always be a quintessential part of keeping the truth flowing. But as plenty of other ignorant people that I won't mention have tried to argue, this is all we do. I regularly on a daily basis go out and do all sorts of things that are not discussed on the show. And sometimes I do. But many of you know this that are closer to my personal life. The bottom line is, it is time for action. It's always been time for action. But right now, it's never been an easier thing to do to stand up with the evidence and the facts and the science on your side. They'll say the same thing, but the reality is undeniably clear. So do something about it. Now, that's in addition to continuing to drop and plant the seeds in your neighbor that doesn't believe you or so on your family that doesn't understand. Start a show. Do this. Go out and talk to people on the street. Start a protest. I mean, I have my opinions about how useful or useless these things can be, but do something. We need your voice added to the chorus, guys. That's what we need. We need the majority of this country to be openly stating on every platform they could possibly find that we can see you. We see what you're doing. We see the lies. You can keep screaming that you have the majority on the corporate media, but the world will hear us. That's where we start. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. What if the experts are wrong? What if quarantining the healthy doesn't actually save lives?
What if wearing a mask in public is not effective? If you do not have a mask, you cannot ride public transportation, sir. My name is Dr. Jeff Barkey, and I'm here representing thousands of physicians across the country whose voices are being silenced because we don't agree with the mainstream media and the experts who are telling us what to do. Everything I've seen in the last nine days, all the things that just don't make sense, the patients I'm seeing in front of me, the lungs I'm trying to improve, have led me to believe that COVID-19 is not this disease and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. Never in the history of this great republic have we quarantined the healthy. Never in the history of this great republic have we told churchgoers that it's illegal for you to exercise your First Amendment right to freedom of religion. Never in the history of this country have we been told that you can't go to church because it's not essential, but you can go get an abortion because that's essential. Never before in our country have we let criminals out of jail, but we've told you you can't exercise your Second Amendment right and protect yourself by purchasing a firearm. When liquor stores are deemed essential, but your businesses are deemed non-essential, there's something wrong going on. We cut off people's utilities this week and made them pay what could have been their last check to us to turn their lights on in a global health pandemic. But you don't care about that. You didn't want to meet. This booklet, the Declaration of Independence in our U.S. Constitution, was never designed to restrain the people. It was designed to restrain the government. We're realizing that the fatality rate of this virus is in the ballpark of a bad seasonal influenza. Do not let your voices be silenced. We will see eventually that this government-imposed cure is going to be worse than the virus itself. But what's happening now is unemployment reaches 20 to 30 million people is those folks are now becoming dependent on the government. And what government dependency causes is a larger, more tyrannical government. We the people want to put our government back in its place. We want a small representative government, not a large tyrannical government. 
I'm here representing thousands of physicians around the country whose voices must be heard. We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy, where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home. So you guys are asking me to leave the store for not wearing a mask when I have a medical condition, even though yours is pulled under your nose. A note that says I don't have to bring a note and yours isn't even on. Just do whatever you want to do. It's America, right? Listen, I cannot wear a mask. Get out. Do not let your voices be silenced.